brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to GoldProspectorSpace.com, the home of ProspectorsRadio.com. You can see us on the web and listen on the radio. We're just searching for some gold. Welcome to the Prospector's Radio Show, the talk show for our community. Please welcome Mr. Jim Ham, Rich Cooley, Ron Harrison, and your host, Jim Grimes. All right, everybody. It's Sunday, April 12th, and we're live on Prospector's Radio. Joining me tonight, as always, my good friends and co-hosts. First off, we got Mr. Ron Harrison. How you doing tonight, Ron? Hey, I'm doing, doing great, Tim. I just... Uh... Just got back to Colorado today. I'm at uh, Dick Steele's house here. He's uh, gracious enough uh, uh, to let me use his office, so that's that's where I'm at. I'm in his office oh. here in Delta, Colorado. At least you made it back there okay. You had a safe trip, so, you know, it's a... Yeah, it was a quick trip. I left Illinois yesterday morning, and 1,400 miles later, here I am. Jeez, that's just too much. I couldn't do it. <laughs> but at least, you're, <laughs> at least you're here with us tonight. So we'll get back to you here shortly, Ron. Also joining us tonight... We have my other good friend, Mr. Jim Ham. How you doing, Jim? I'm not going to complain tonight. It's Sunday night. That's right. It's your favorite what? night, ain't it? Right? What's that? I said it's your favorite night, right? One of my favorite nights. All right, good. And uh, you excited about our guest? Oh, most definitely. Uh-huh. I'm sure you are. So Who am I. Who wouldn't be? <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> Oh, we're looking forward to interrogating him. I no, mean, questioning yeah, him. Question him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Also joining us tonight, we have Mr. Rich Cooley. How are you, Rich? Pretty good. How are we doing? Doing good, brother. What's our uh, magic number for the likes tonight? Our magic number for tonight is 75. 75? One thing we forgot. Today is April 12th. I said that, Joe. didn't I? No, I didn't hear it. I, yeah, you I, said it. I, I said, said it. it. I swear I said it. I I'm hearing very, things. Very first thing. <laughs> I'm not yep. hearing things. Yep, I said it. Hey, we're at 75 likes. We need to get it tonight for one gram of silver. And then we're doing something else, too. If uh, if we get 200 followers tonight, by the end of the show, we're going to give away two ounces of silver. So wow. if you're not following, tonight's the night to follow. Yeah, we sure. got 113 followers right now, it looks like. Right. And everybody make sure you refresh your page so you're on the correct one. Right. So you're listening to the live show. So uh, Actually, the old show is still up even though you refresh it. Mm -hmm. So Just refresh the page and you'll be listening to the live stream. So it should be good to go. Okay. Also joining us tonight, we have our good friend, Indiana Gold Hunter himself, Mr. Dennis Dayton. How are you, Dennis? 
Man, I am ready for tonight, man. Psyched? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, yeah, absolutely. Big fans, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. definitely a big fan. Me too. Me too. All right. Well, I guess then, uh, without further ado, all the way from Animal Planet's hit show, Ice Cold Gold, our guest tonight, Josh and Jesse Feldman, the Feldman Brothers. How are you guys tonight? Very good. How are you doing? Doing great. Uh, we're very honored that you guys could take the time and come and hang out with us for a little bit and talk to us and answer some questions. You know, like Ron said, well, we're not going to interrogate you that bad. But <laughs> hey, uh, hey, bring it on. <laughs> bring it on. Nothing, we got nothing but time. There we we're, go. We're ready for your questions, Jim. Sure. See, that's that's good. That's a good attitude. I like that. <clears throat> well, the way I always like to start. Same thing I ask everybody. When did you guys start prospecting, mining, treasure hunting, and, and how did you get started? That's none of your business, Jim. Okay. <laughs> Moving oh, right see, on. To that that Let's go to the next one. <laughs> Moving right along. I think we have a caller. <laughs> now, you know, we grew up in uh, the treasure hunting game. Our father uh, moved to Arizona in the 1960s to hunt the Lost Etchland Gold Mine. Maybe you guys have heard of that. Uh-huh. And... Um, he raised us like in the, in the field, you know, going out there looking for treasure. Whether it was the Dutchman, whether it was any lost gold story, we ran around the mountains with him and did that. And um, so, you know, we kind of got the bug through through our dad. Sure. Uh, in 2004, we purchased the Mammoth Mine uh, and the surrounding mines. Um, and so, for the past 10, 11 years, we've been focused on on that project. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just always been in our blood. I think we're also a victim of our environment in a good way. Right. You know, we live right out here by the Superstition Mountains, so we're in a, a neat little gold belt that's out here. Um, and there's just a lot of lore and history and stories uh, that, that surround us. So you, you can't really get away from it, nor do we want to. Right. I mean, it's it's the life. It's the life we all wish we had. It's You guys are living our dream every day, and it's, it's awesome. And you're like a our idol, so to speak, you know. And uh, it's just great. I mean, it's... well, that's that's very nice of you. Um, yeah, I hope we represent well. Uh, you know, we 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 try to, anyways. Oh yeah, um, you... I'd love to do that every day. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> to be you out there. You can come out here in uh, the middle of June and have a great time at 112 degrees. Well, yeah, uh, it'd be it'd be a little rough in that heat, but. But my God, the, the like you said, there's so much going on around there. There's so many like lost treasures. It's not only the the lost Dutchman. There's other ones, right? Oh, there's dozens, dozens. Literally, you think about the Superstition Mountains is a lost Dutchman mine, but there's Jesuit treasure out there. There's um, there's paintings from the Grazia that we've actually searched for. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's rock maps. There's military uh, treasures out there. There's all kinds of stuff. And we, we pack in a lot of these treasure hunters back in the superstitions. Uh-huh. So we've seen just about every story and, and kind of person. And, um, you know, they're following their dreams. Sure. And, um, and it, it's great. So we've, we've, like Josh says, we've been a part of this culture all our lives. See, that's great. And now, do you guys still get to, to go out with your dad occasionally? Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, we've got um, stuff in the Mojave in the works, uh, and uh, the Chiricahua Mountains down in, in South, Ari- 
southern Arizona. Wow. Uh, and maybe another little project in New Mexico. The problem is always, it's always time. Right. Uh, we always got projects, but, um, you know, which ones do you get to first? Right. That's why. Well, I... We all have a, we have a horse stable that we run, mm-hmm. uh, the OK Corral Stables. Um, so that takes a lot of our time. It's a seasonal business, so people want to come out and ride with us. Obviously, during the best weather, so that's usually spring out here in Arizona. Okay. And um, so that keeps us busy, too, for five, six months out of the year. Wow, that's what I mean. That's why I'm so thankful that you guys could come and join us because <clears throat> I know you guys got so much going on. It's like, and then you got the TV show, too, that you're gone for how many months when you do that? Two and a half. Two and a half months. Well, we're gone, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, man, you guys, how do you find time to do anything that you really want to do, you know? It's like, you just got busy schedules. Yes. Well, I mean, but a lot of what we do, I mean, we're doing what we love. So mm-hmm. it's, it's okay. You know, it's not like you wake up in the morning and go, oh, my God, it's another <laughs> day. You know, you wake up and you're like, all right, what's happening today? You know, so oh, yeah. uh, every day is not a panacea. I don't want to sound like that, of course. Uh, <laughs> but, but certainly, you know, overall, when you're doing what you love to do, it's not really a job. Agreed. Right, you're not out there punching a the clock, you know, you're doing what you love to do. And that'd be looking for gold, looking for treasure, doing the the horseback riding thing. I mean, you guys are, like I said, it's a you got a great life. And, uh, you know, I look up to you. Yeah, I applaud well, you guys. The good thing about um, Greenland for us is it is summertime here. What are we going to do here in the summertime? Nothing. Mm-hmm. You can't, you know, you got you can get out. You know, you you kind of schedule your days around the heat, um, but it's just not a great situation. So us going to Greenland allows us to keep moving, to keep going forward. Sure. Uh, instead of stuck here in the heat, you you just can't mine your mines or treasure hunt in the summertime here. People people die all the time. Oh wow! From, because they think that they're hot on the trail of a treasure, and they go out there in in June and. Um, you know that's hap- that happens all the time out here. Right. Uh, and the last time it happened, uh, they didn't find their bodies for three years. Oh wow, that's some uh, rough territory <laughs> out there. Then, you know, it would be uh, that'd be tough. Now, have you ever took uh, anybody on any of those outings, and uh, and they've actually come back with some like good proof that they they're on to something, or do well, they keep it well, hush hush? You know. We couldn't tell you if we knew, Jim. <laughs> well, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> but still, I thought I'd ask it. Like, the, hey. I mean, the, the truth is, is that you said it. Uh, these guys are treasure hunters. That's what they love to do. So right. anything that they find or think they find or whatever, they're not going to tell they're us. Not gonna they're not going to tell, tell anybody else. Well, um, think, so they... it's something that, although we all want to ask, we don't even bother to ask because we know the answer. Right, but you'd think they'd, they'd tell you guys. They'd be excited to tell you guys, hey, you know, we... We think we probably not. Got a big clue. We go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but they're not going to tell us. Are you kidding me? We live here. And we know the mountains like yeah. the back of our hands. I, I think we're the last people they want to tell. Um, that, no, they 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 keep it they keep it hush hush. Wow, for sure. Now, well, Josh, Josh's not a hundred percent on that. I mean, <laughs> they, they do they do trust us enough because right. Really That's what secret. I would think. Right. And there's some things that they just can't hide. You know, they're uh-huh. coming in there to pick them up, take them out of the mountains, and, and I'm packing their gear on horses, right? Right. Oh, um, they do trust us. We do keep their secrets. That's um, cool. And um, 
you know, they, they know us for that. And mm -hmm. uh, so I had another thought. I don't know, but evidently <laughs> it, they trust e Jesse more than they do me. So, yeah. it's, e it's either trust them or uh, pack it all out without the horses, right? Yeah, right. They don't have much of a choice. You know? All of a sudden you got so much weight here. You know what? <laughs> What's all this extra weight? <laughs> yeah. Or they got big grins on their faces, yeah. right? Well, it realize realize we you know they're on their own treasure hunt, mm -hmm. and we really don't we're not interested in that. We're right. interested in what what we dream about. Sure. And so, you know, that's their own journey, and it's not ours. It's kind of it's kind of like that in the treasure hunting world. You guys know that. Mm -hmm. we're, we're a lot of us. Um, you know, we're I wouldn't say loners, but we. We have tight knit groups, you know, and right. we, we keep to ourselves. Sure, I agree. Absolutely. Now, is there anything that, in particular, that you two are working on that that you could share with us? Anything in particular you're trying to find, or you're, you know, because I, like you said, I know you guys are big treasure hunters, and is is there one you're looking for more than the other? Put it that way. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Right now, we're really interested in uh, it's commonly known as a skeleton canyon treasure down in southern Arizona. Uh-huh. Um, and that's something that uh, we've hunted with our dad actually for many years. Okay. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of ebbs and flows. Like, you'll get hunting that treasure, and then something else comes up, and you maybe new information, you go to somewhere else, and then all of a sudden you revisit it again. And that's what we've been doing lately is revisiting the skeleton canyon treasure. Oh, cool. Um, so that's, that's one of our favorites for sure. Is it? <clears throat> That's great. And then what do you guys do? You guys just go, hey, Josh, or hey, Jess, let's just take off today and go see what we can find today. You know, is that how you guys work it with each other, being brothers and all? That's that's how I would do it with my brother. I'd be like, let's blow off work today. Let's go find this treasure. Okay. Yeah, you know, the first thing we do is we start talking about it during work, yeah. and then we, get, well, then, we, then we get excited about it, and then before you know it, we're like, well, we got to go next week, or, well, no, we can't go next week. Well, let's go in two weeks, and then we just set the date, and we figure it out, and we go. Um, so, you know, that's, that's how it happens. It just kind of comes up in conversation, and, and uh, you know, you can kind of see the look, you know, when, when you get the look and you see it, <laughs> you're like, yeah, we're going to go on this trip for sure. Cause yeah. <laughs> there's just enough to go on. It's like, it's, there's enough information. Right. Um, I don't want to go back and repeat ourselves if we weren't successful. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, you get another little piece of information that says, you know what, maybe it's that Canyon over there, or maybe it's maybe, you know what, we didn't check out that cave or, uh, we got some documentation that, that says it's this mountain. That's the stuff that excites us. Brand new information. Sure. And we're, yeah, we're gone. That's cool. That is really cool. Yeah. Like Could you this. tell us something, uh, since we were talking about the OK Corral uh, stables, mm -hmm. uh, because there's a lot of people involved in this, uh, the acronym HEAT, H-E-A-T, what that stands for a little bit, and just uh, and, and what you're doing there? Yeah, for sure. Uh, HEAT stands for Historical Explorations and Treasures. Um, it was a company that... Uh, really our dad started uh, to do a special project in the Superstition Mountain Wilderness area back in 2004. We had located uh, a mine that we believed to be uh, from the Mexican and Spanish era in the Superstition Mountains, which would put it early 1800s. Okay. Uh -huh. And we also believed that they collapsed the front of this mine, walled it up and collapsed it so nobody can go in it to seal it, and we thought there could be a possibility of there being gold and silver bullion 
stored in the back of this mine because it's in it's in a mining area okay. uh, where there's plenty of gold, gold, and silver mines. And being where it was was in a wilderness area, and in the wilderness you can't mine. You can prospect, but you can't mine. So we had to go to the Forest Service and apply for what's called a treasure trove permit. The only way to legally dig within a wilderness area is to prove to the federal government at a specific location that there's a possibility of gold or silver bullion being stored. So it was a five-year process. We went through environmental impact studies. We gave them all of our information, all of our documentation, and we overwhelmed them with so much information that in the end they couldn't say, yeah, there's no way there's bullion back there. They had to say, you know what? There is a possibility that there's bullion back there, and they granted us the treasure trove permit. Oh, cool. And so we put this company together to do that uh, with some other friends of ours, of course, uh, like-minded souls, and we went out there and we opened up this old mine. Uh, we had to retimber everything. We had to haul in all the supplies on our back or on our horses because it's a wilderness area. You could, could not drive to the site. The only way in there legally is either you hike or ride a mm-hmm. horse. So um, we carried everything in and did it like they did it back in the 1800s. Wow. Uh, we were out there with hand saws and, and did all our cribbing that way, um, all of our timbering and everything. And it took us nine months, but we eventually reopened the entire, the entire mine, proved that it was from the Mexican-Spanish era, which was the first time that's ever been done in the Superstition Mountains. It had previously been thought that those people were never in the Superstitions mining. And uh-huh. we, we were able to prove that, nope, here's a mine right here from their, from their time period. Um, and we actually hired an archaeologist from ASU to do that documentation and to put a date on the mine because that's who you need. You've got to have the guy with the credentials behind him to, to write out that report. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what we did. And anyways, we got, to the, we got to where we wanted to go. We got to the back of the mine, and um, what we found is none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's a good answer. I wouldn't expect it anymore. <laughs> are, you, are you guys seeing a theme here? <laughs> that's, that's a great theme, well, though. One, one thing about it, there's like uh, almost 4,900 people just like you here on this site, so we understand. Yeah. Yes, well, it's that's perfect. That, that's good. That's very good. It, it was an exciting project, let me tell you. The mine was completely collapsed, and anybody that, that knows anything about going underground, once everything's collapsed, it's very hard to go back in it and hold it. You know, the, all the glues are gone. Everything's been moved. And, um, but we were able to engineer a way in there and get into that thing. And i got to tell you, the, ton, the drift, actually, we went down a, uh, about 25-foot deep shaft, and then we, there was a drift at the bottom of the shaft that we had to reopen, and everything was caving in. Wow. Especially right there at that junction, the drift and the shaft. Uh-huh. And uh, we had to use road guard, actually, that we had to stick back in there and then sandbag above the road guard to hold the ceiling. And then we could work under the road guard and set all of our timbering. And as we were doing that, of course, you've got a wall of dirt in front of you, and you're just digging that wall of dirt out and setting timbers. And I kept doing that. And finally, one day, I you know, threw my shovel up into that wall of dirt, and the shovel went through. Oh, wow. And that. That is an exciting moment because you know it's open behind there, uh-huh. and exactly. you're about to break through and see if there's bullion in the back of this thing. Oh, wow. um, at the time, uh, I was actually the only person down there. Uh, my <laughs> helper had just went up the, the shaft for lunch, and I was supposed to follow him. But, you know, I did the, you know, another couple, couple shovel thing. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I stopped, and I thought, 
well, should I go in there? And then I decided, no, I better not. And I turned back, and I went up the shaft to get the rest of the guys because I wanted them to see it for the first time just like me. Yeah. And, you know, we were all kind of a team there. That is And cool. um, so we all cool. went down into the mine, and we moved a little bit more of the dirt away so we could fit our bodies through. And there was a screen of roots that came down. Mm-hmm. And it was just a mat of roots. You couldn't see through the roots. So it was kind of like an Indiana Jones moment where we <laughs> literally had to stick my hands into the roots and pull the roots back. And here's this big room completely open in the back. Wow. These old Mexican Spanish timbers sitting back there. It was, it was really something to see. Uh, wow. Obviously, we looked for, like, you know, the stacks of gold, silver, bullion, sure. but uh, <laughs> I didn't happen to see them that day. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a cool experience though. Wow. It was. See that did you guys film that or anything? We documented it for sure. Uh-huh. Uh, we did it ourselves though. It's not something right. that was ever done for T V or anything. Right, like that's that. what I mean, like just for yourselves you did it. So that is cool. That's that's just amazing. You know, I can't get that, over that. That's now, like a treasure on its own, just yeah, probably yeah. that. What an adventure. Yeah, now speaking of the, the, the re-timbering mines and stuff, now you guys own the part of the Mammoth Mine, correct? Am I right? Yeah. Okay, now isn't there an area in there that you guys want to get to that collapsed a long time ago or something and it's something you'd love to get to someday, but I don't know if it's yeah, ever you possible? Yeah, uh, Thanks for asking. Um, the, the, uh, the Mammoth Mine was just ungodly rich mm-hmm. when it was found. Uh, they mined it for several years until um, it collapsed. Um, you know, a miner was actually stuck down there for 12 or 13 days until they rescued him. Mm-hmm. But that, that was basically the end of the mine. They did not uh, timber it well enough. The ground was heavy, um, and there was just a lot of water there, too. And um, so... It, you know, over the years, over the decades, there's been lots of people trying to get back in there. Right. Um, in the 1920s, there was um, a new mining venture that um, did not go down on that particular spot, but they they shafted down, you know, all around and drifted here and there, and they generally actually went deeper. Oh. Uh, uh, but they never did hit uh, a bonanza. Okay. Um, and that's really the last time any real mining was done on the property other than bulldozers pushing dirt this way and pushing dirt that way. And, um, and there was also a lot of, i got to tell you about it, there's, there was a lot of um, con men and shysters and schemes on that property because of the history of the mine and how rich it was. Right. attracted the wrong type of people. Okay. And so during this late 70s early 80s um just all kinds of stuff was going on there was it was funny (laughs) one particular story you know these guys want investment money right right that's what they're mining the investors they're not mining the ground they're mining investors there was a there was an investor that walked on the property with 40 ounces of gold to invest in a gold mine Like you already have the gold, right? Yeah. Why would you hand it over on a maybe it comes? Yeah, right. On a maybe there's gold. But, see, they they spun the story so well that that they just sold people on this. Sure. Uh, and generally, those people either wound up in jail eventually, or or wherever you know, mm-hmm. somewhere else, they left town. Um, so 
Um, like Josh says, we we acquired the property in, in 04. We bought the property in 04 and all the claims around there. And um, we cleaned it up. Um, that took about two years. Wow. And, uh, you know, we feel we're at a time right now that, that we need to get back down on some gold that we know is there, that it still exists. Right. Um, and, you know, it, it was just trying to figure out how to do it. There was one guy, not to prolong this too more, but this is important. Mm-hmm. 19, 1949, uh, one of the um, engineers um, during the 1920s on the property came back. He came back in 1949 with a small partnership. All right. His name was Alfred Strong Lewis, and he knew where the gold was. So he and his partners went back down on the Mormon stove. Okay. Uh, and they actually processed every bit of, of material that came out, uh, and they open-pitted it. Uh, and they, he never got down to where he knew the, that the gold was. They were just actually running everything to run everything, right? Right. They paid for production. Mm-hmm. Well... But right before, like literally within five feet before they hit um, the untouched uh, material, uh, Alfred Strong Lewis died. Oh, my He was a ramrod. Wow. Uh, and so the project basically ended right there because he was the only guy that could keep it going. Right. Uh, and that's our idea is to follow in, in uh, Alfred Strong Lewis's footsteps. Oh, that's cool. That's Not great. the dying part. Right, <laughs> you know, <laughs> minus that part, but just keep going with everything else. Right now, is it? Do you got to get in there and retimber it and all that too? You can't. the the because the richest part of the Mammoth Mine they named it the Mormon Stope, mm-hmm. and when it collapsed, uh, everything moved. So to try and go back underneath, it's it's just a sand pit just going to fill in on you. You oh. really can't hold it. Oh, the only thing you can do is go from the top and try and pit it and take everything out. And, right. of course, as you guys in the mining business know, as soon as you tar- start taking all that dirt, all that dirt costs money to move and process. Right. So uh, your per tonnage goes down. Mm-hmm. But um, so that's our only option at this point we feel. Uh, and we've looked at some pretty, like, ingenious ideas of right. how to not move all that dirt. <laughs> but right now we feel the only way to do it is, is to just move everything. Right. Um, and that's that's something that, you know, we've talked about and we're still looking into. Sure. It's extremely tempting because that gold has been untouched since 1897 wow. when the Mormon stove collapsed. Nobody's been able to get in there. And it was a rich, rich spot in the vein. Uh, you had what you had was a ton of stringer veins that ran all through this main ore body, and they were carrying very high grade gold. Lots of wire gold uh, was taken out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in fact, uh, a lot of reports of wire gold uh, being as big around as a man's fingers wow. were taken out of Mormon stope. Um, <laughs> it was an amazing strike when they hit it, um, and it was a real shame when the thing collapsed because they never got the chance to finish working it. And we hope to one day. We yeah. hope to finish what they started. Sure. that That's a big goal. I mean, I'd like to see you guys succeed and get that done someday. And, oh, absolutely. And I don't know if it'd be, <clears throat> we'd read about it somewhere. That'd be really cool. That, <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, because wasn't, like, wasn't there like a flood in that mine or something, some flood waters that supposedly washed away a lot of gold-bearing material? Yeah, there's actually two floods that happened at the Mammoth Mine. 
And in fact, you know how history is, uh, it kind of gets convoluted sometimes in story. Uh, it, it was said that what ended the Mammoth Mine was that it, it was ended by a flood, that a flood hit it and destroyed all the workings. That's not actually true. What, what ended the Mammoth Mine was it was under-engineered. It was oh. under-timbered in the Mormon scope, and it couldn't hold the ground, and the whole thing fell in. Right. Um, but the two floods that did happen were very interesting because and the first one was in 1893, the summer of 1893, and that was when they were just starting exploratory work on the mammoth. They located this rich vein with wire gold sitting on the surface. Wow. And they just started digging down on it, you know, like we all might do, you know, just right. doing some exploratory work. And they got down 20 foot, and they're pulling out all this quartz with this wire gold sticking in it, and they're putting it in sacks, big ore sacks, and uh -huh. they're stacking those ore sacks around the outside of the uh, the top of the shaft, right, and where this was located was right next to a major waterway. You know, we we call them washes out west here. Okay, and um, there was a flood. A monsoon storm came in, and big flood. Whole wash filled up, filled in their twenty foot hole, and all those sacks full of very high grade gold got washed down the wash. Um, some of them probably buried. Some of them. Um, you know, broke open, I assume, uh -huh. and, and, you know, pieces of ore and specimens went here and there and everywhere. Sure. Uh, but at today's prices, that was worth about a million dollars in gold is what was in those, <laughs> was in those packs. Oh, jeez. So it, was, it was quite a little bit of a – it was quite a loss. And that made it – I mean, those stories, the mammoth was all over in the papers. It mm -hmm. made national news back in the 1890s. It was a big deal back in the day. Yeah, so them stories could be true, right? You know, it's like – Wow, that's very interesting. Now, uh, speaking of ore, because you said ore, we'll go to this. Now, you was talking about doing a little giveaway to, on your Facebook page, right? Yeah, absolutely. We we want to uh, give away a nice uh, specimen specimen of gold ore from the Mammoth Mine. Uh -huh. um, you know, I mean, anytime we get a chance to, you know, basically reach out there and, and, and say, hey, this is who we are and this is what this is and other people that are into the history and that sort of thing, uh, we kind of feel a responsibility to do that. And um, so we're going to pick somebody on our Facebook page, J.J. Feldman Brothers on Facebook, mm -hmm. um, uh, to receive this, this gold ore specimen from the Mammoth Mine. That's cool. And what do they got to do? Just like the page, right? All you got to do is just like the page. Nothing and, else. And then... Do another and then tomorrow night you'll draw the winner. You said, "Yeah, we're gonna That's... Monday. We'll announce the winner and uh, and send that out to them. And uh, I hope that they enjoy it." That is cool. <laughs> so everybody that's listening tonight, go to the JJ Feldman Facebook page and give it a like, and you'll be eligible Feldman, for this. JJ Feldman Brothers. JJ Feldman Brothers. Uh, Sorry, Josh. Yeah, JJ Feldman Brothers on Facebook. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, just just like it and. Uh, then we'll we'll see your name on there, and you're in the contest. That is cool. <laughs> and if somebody wins it from the site here, please post a picture of it. We'd love to yeah, see definitely. it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah, you bet. Oh, yeah. we're gonna we'll post a picture and everything for sure. Oh, okay. Um, so you we'll guys. We'll let everybody know. Awesome. And uh, yeah, we'll be happy to do that. That'll be great. All right. Well, let's uh let's take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. Okay. Okay. Attention, prospectors. Everyone's raving about the Gold Cube. Recover all the gold and keep more of that fine stuff with Gold Cube. It's amazing. Gold Cube processes up to 1,000 pounds of material per hour. That's why everyone's saying, cube it or lose it. 
Discover why hundreds of miners around the world are capturing more of even the finest gold using Gold Cube products. Modular stackable trays and vortex matting technology make the Gold Cube an effective fine gold recovery system. Already have a Gold Cube? Don't forget to check out the new Gold Banker. This topper with punch plate and spray bars takes the hassle out of classifying and increases your yield at the same time. Shovel material right onto it and let the Gold Cube do its magic. If you get the small, you get it all with Gold Cube. Order today online at goldcube.net or call toll-free 800-649-0256. If you're interested in gold prospecting or treasure hunting as a career, hobby, passion, or just something you're interested in getting into, you have to visit goldprospectorspace.com. At goldprospectorspace.com, you'll find forums, chats, videos, blogs, sections on dry washing, metal detecting, high banking, and so much more at goldprospectorspace.com. There's a store, classifieds, and at goldprospectorspace.com every Sunday night at 7.30 Eastern Time, tune in to Prospectors Radio, the talk show for gold prospectors and treasure hunters. Goldprospectorspace.com is a social network with thousands of members, and everything you need is at goldprospectorspace.com. Prospectorspace.com. Sign up today and get connected to others who share your love of gold and gold prospecting. Let the treasure hunt begin at goldprospectorspace.com. Goldprospectorspace.com. All right, everybody, we're back with Josh and Jesse Feldman, the Feldman brothers from Animal Planet's hit show, Ice Cold Gold. So, where was we now? Uh, I'm going to pass it over to the guys for a minute. I know they got a bunch of questions for you, so. First off, I'm going to hand it over to Rich Cooley. Rich, go ahead and have at it, brother. How you doing, guys? Great. Doing great. And first of all, I want to welcome you to the show. Uh, I, I follow you guys a lot, you know, and uh, I wish I could actually do that, what you guys are doing. But I'm from Pennsylvania, so we don't we don't have much gold here. The, the gold we have is fly poop, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys are lucky having the good stuff out there. Yeah, thank you, Rich. A couple questions for you. Um, I know I love my brother to death, and and I would love to do stuff like this. You know, what's it like doing it together? Both of you guys going to Greenland together. What was that like? Well, we are, uh, yeah, being brothers, um, we're probably the strongest thing in Greenland on the production team uh, because, um, you know, we've, of course, we're brothers. We've been together all our lives. We are the most loyal to each other, of course. Um, and, you know, that's a good feeling. We we have, um, you know, there's two of us. Where everybody else there in Greenland, uh, in cast and production, they're kind of alone. They're kind of by themselves in a way. Um, so we pull from each other, uh, and we're a pretty strong force. So as far as making TV-wise goes, that's, a really great benefit for us. Yeah, that would be excellent, I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, what challenges did Greenland have compared to Arizona, basically? Well, it's completely different, obviously, yeah. as you know. Totally um, different world, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, we've been there, I would guess, a total of about 
six, seven months, you know, of our lives that we spent there in Greenland. So it's, I, would, I don't want to say it's old hat to us now, um, but we, we can get around now. We know what to expect. Um, there are surprises, definitely. Greenland is full of surprises. Yeah, and you're um, actually, it, it's summertime here, but basically, you know, it's not really summer over there, but you guys are touched for time because you only have two months to do it. And... Yeah, it, it is. Uh, summertime there too. Um, you know, the touch upon the weather. Um, you know, you of course it's cold in Greenland, but it is summertime and sun's up um, sometimes. You know, all the way around the clock. Um, and your you know your days are 40s, maybe 30s sometimes. Um, but you get used to it. It's it's like it, you know I don't I don't know how to explain it, but it's not cold anymore. You know, mm-hmm. um, and you don't even you don't even think about it. Uh, as long as you got a good sleeping bag at night, you're you're just fine. What what gets you is the gnats, the bugs, <laughs> all oh. of that sort of thing. Is that's the worst part of about living in the wilderness uh, in Greenland. Um, but it, Greenland, the big the big thing there for us is we don't know the waters. We don't know those mountains. We don't know just, you know, all kinds of things uh, where, you know, we had to learn. Those mountains in Greenland, they're not like the Rocky Mountains. Those mountains there are very uh, friable, if you will, and they fall apart all the time. Um, you know, it's just the way it is with the, with the freezing and the, the weather, the winds and everything. Uh, and the feldspars and the granites, everything just turns to clays, and the tops of the mountains just constantly fall off. Mm-hmm. Um, so you learn that real quick. We learned that our first two months that we were there. Um, and, and we had one of the Greenlandic um, people were with us um, just to kind of, you know, watch us, take care of us a little bit. You know, it's a production. It's a, You're making TV, right? Right, so, yeah. Greenland's going to send somebody with you, too. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. And so, you know, and, and they like to hire a few people, too. It's not like it's law, but, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we were in a location our first season uh, where we didn't, we didn't know what we were doing. But this Greenlandic citizen that was with us came walking past me and Josh with tears pouring out of his eyes because he was scared to death. Wow. Because he knew we were in the wrong spot. He had been told never to go on the sides of those mountains since he was a baby. Mm. He probably knew knew people that had died on the sides of those mountains. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're just, we knew it was dangerous, but we didn't know it like he did. Mm -hmm. And when we saw that, that was an awakening to us. And two days later, right where we were, that mountain fell apart. Wow. And it they caught it actually on TV. That did show. They right. Most yeah, I remember that. It did It did go down, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I have a couple questions here on the site that uh, actually I'm looking at right now. It says, as if the helicopter had insurance for the equipment they lost. <laughs> I don't know I, if I you can answer that or not. <laughs> I didn't catch that. Ask if the helicopter had insurance for the equipment you lost. No, no, they, you know, ultimately, they're liable for their load. Um, but 
you know, I don't, we're not going to see anything there. Um, right. It's basically a loss. In fact, we could have pushed them to clean that up, um, but we mm -hmm. didn't. You know, there's a little bit of politics involved, mm -hmm. of, of course. Now, now you helped. guys actually had to clean that up, right? Oh, yeah, we cleaned it up. You, they should show that. If they got enough time on their episodes, you should see yeah, that. It'll get there, I'm uh, sure. Yeah, that was a, nearly a mile long of, of just scattered across the mountainside. I originally, when he said that had dropped, I was thinking in the ocean. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and because most everything he flew over was ocean. Right, right. So it just luckily, so happens it was over the land, yeah. Yeah, luckily it landed on basically a peninsula kind of island thing, and um, mm -hmm. we were able to reclaim a lot of that stuff. You know, a lot of stuff mm -hmm. was broken, but you can't destroy a hammer. Right, you know, right. There's <laughs> things that that you just can't destroy or you can fix. And you guys needed it, too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I can tell you our generators were completely smashed. They oh, didn't yeah. make it. Uh, you know, of course, it, wow. those, that equipment was probably doing somewhere around 250 miles an hour when it hit the ground. <laughs> so it was moving. You know, At least that was about 2,000 feet, feet, I believe, correct? That's right. It fell from 2,000 feet. So um, it, it was it was a terrible terrible day because we do run on thin margins over there you know everything mm -hmm. has to kind of go right especially when it comes to our equipment and our camp and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. so it just it's you can't you don't just go to home depot and just like oh we'll just you know <laughs> right regroup right. here it doesn't work like that it's like you got what you got and that's what you got to work with so um it was it's par for the course for greenland greenland's going to throw surprises at you all the time uh, and as far as TV goes, they love that kind of stuff. Sure, right. Things just happen. That's part of, you know, why they love to film us in Greenland is because they know there's going to be surprises. Uh, and that was definitely a big one. But, you know, you pick up and you move on. It, it's right. kind of a challenge. It was a challenge. And I knew that, hey, um, all right, all our equipment's gone, but let's roll. Let's go. We can move right. on. Mm -hmm. You know, we can move through this. So what? Let, let's keep on, you know, chalk it up to a loss and keep going. That's the way I felt about it. And that that was at SACAC, right? That was that was from SACAC to uh, right going to SACAC, which they call Cloud Island. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a I got a question on SACAC. Yeah, where you guys were cleaning your material out after you crush your material out. And you took your material over the stream, and you were running it in the stream there. Uh, did you guys ever check that stream for gold right there? Because that looked totally awesome for gold. I mean, I'm sure you guys probably did. But Yes, of course. Uh, I mean, anytime we see a stream, we're going to check it. Because, uh, <laughs> right. as you well know, that's going to tell the story what's coming out of the mountains. Oh, that's um, beautiful. I mean... Yeah, that that stream, that particular stream, did not show anything. Uh, and, wow. and we also hiked up into that region too. So we didn't just check the stream; we also went up there and and okay. looking looking at the rock and looking at what was up there. And um, we didn't see anything up there that it, it that warranted us, you know, any further investigation. And the truth is, we only have so much time in these places. Uh, it's just the way that it is. Um, so we could certainly miss something. Uh, there's no question about it. Um, but at least we're getting ourselves out there and giving ourselves the chance of finding something, something great. And, and there needs to be enough there for us to do something with. 
You know, we right. have to find a right. good enough deposit that says, hey, this is either rich enough that we can do something with this thing because this thing could kind of pay as we go, or mm-hmm. we're really testing the mountain itself. So if we think this thing has got a good average grade and is running pretty decent mm-hmm. but would take a larger scale mine, we may not be interested in doing that. But there are other mining companies in the world that would be. Right. So that was kind of my next question. You know, what was your goal? But you, you just answered that. So, yeah. There is, uh, there is a mine in uh, South Greenland. Um, and uh, just kind of the same thing. They were finding gold. There were little bits of gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nobody knew the source. Mm-hmm. Nobody could find it. This went on for years and years. And they just kept going back to this valley, uh, this glacial valley, over and over. And eventually they found the source. And it was high up. It was literally a four-inch wide vein of quartz that was just high-grade stuff. Mm. Well, they developed that into a big underground mine. Um, mm. And uh, it, it, it just closed, actually. Um, not too long, like within a year a year ago. Uh, but at the last months of production, they were pr- they were pouring two thousand ounces of gold a month. Wow! <clears throat> amazing, <laughs> amazing, amazing. Now, did uh, let's see, what are the other questions? Well, there's one on the site about Corey Feldman. Is he <laughs> any relations? All right, no. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's my cousin. No, I'm just kidding. No, he's, I don't yeah, know. That was one of the questions on the site, so I'll figure that out. Uh-huh. Ask him if he wants to go mining. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, how devastated were you guys when you lost your, the red zone? You know, the red zone was uh, – here's the thing about the red zone. We – we have fought very hard for that area. Uh, the first year when we discovered uh, those rubies on top of that mountain, mm-hmm. one of the most amazing discoveries that and I can speak for Jesse, I'm sure, that we've ever, ever seen. The rubies are literally just sitting on the ground in the deposit, and they're littered everywhere. It's like somebody just took them and just threw them all over the place. Um, it's an amazing thing to see. The gem-quality rubies, uh, they're running up in the 20% uh, which is good. So 20% of your deposit is running gem quality. Um, that's pretty high for gemstones. In fact, it's very high for gemstones in a deposit. And it's amazing to see this. And a lot of them are these beautiful blood red, uh, you know, I call them like pigeon blood rubies. Mm-hmm. They're unbelievable. So this is a big deal for us. I mean, this deposit is absolutely amazing. Um, it's also a big deal for Greenland. And not just that ruby deposit, because it's not the only ruby deposit in Greenland. But mm-hmm. the ruby deposits themselves are a big deal for Greenland. And we have always had to work with the Greenlandic government. Um, mm. And their concerns matter. And they do right. affect us, of course, just like any country. Um, so they basically come in and just shut that area down. So, Yeah, right. you know, we had special permission to, to go into that area and okay. do what we did in that area and, you know, take the rubies out like we did and all that kind of stuff. And um, because everything is so new in Greenland, Mm-hmm. Um, the citizens of Greenland, they're a little bit afraid of, of you know, these changes in these mining companies because, again, we're not the only one looking at Greenland. Um, and then the government is trying – they're this small little fledgling government that is trying to figure out how to get it done. They do want it. They, they're not against mining. They're not trying to be that way. They do want it, but they, they are going slow. And so they're not going at the speed that we would want them to. So in the end, we have to swallow hard, be patient, 
Um, and under no circumstances do we believe that we have completely lost the red zone. Mm-hmm. Um, did did the show suffer anything we had because of that? Last year was completely re- um, On that red zone, you know, about how long was it? I mean, I, I saw an interview that you guys did with, uh, was it Nightline, I think it was? What, where you guys saw that, I mean, how long was it? You know, like a couple miles? What, what was the size of the deposit that we could see, is your question? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty easy. Um, it was about 12 feet wide. We're talking hard rock here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was obviously plaster that it eroded off of that deposit. But it's a vein, just like a quartz vein. Uh, but it's 12 feet wide of of rubies, okay? Um, it is a phlogopite schist. Uh, it is the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your life. Um, and it goes for about just under 100 yards uh, above ground. So the question then be, be, is asked, how deep does it go? Right. Okay? And what does it stay um, at that high grade for at depth? Uh, and I can tell you from a little bit of experience there, I would guess that that's possibly 300 feet deep. Then it may fold, and then maybe at 300 feet deep further in the ground, you, you run into another fold, you know, something of that nature. That's how these things work. You're in metamorphics, and things fold around. So it's just the whole point is it's not what you just what you see on, on the surface. The, the TV show wanted a number. Mm-hmm. They were given $13 million for what was visible above ground. That's it. That's just a pinch of what's actually there. Amazing. Because I, mean, I, I was just amazed when, when I saw that, and there was this, wow, these are just laying there, you know. Because <laughs> here in Ohio, I just live down or up, up the road from Tim, and Tim and I go out prospecting quite a bit, but for us, the only thing we'll really find is like garnets beside the gold, but mm-hmm. garnets and a lot of a lot of little quartz. Yeah. Yeah. So when I when I saw all those rubies, it was like my my mouth hit the floor. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's a, it, for one, it's a miracle that they're ever even made by nature. I mean, they're just that rare, and to see that many of them right there, um, it's in, it's incredible. It's in the middle of nowhere. It is an eight hour sail. Okay, it is 80 or 90 miles away from the nearest town. It's in the middle of nowhere, right up against the ice sheet. Uh, it's not like if you were a Greenlandic citizen that you could just go there anytime you wanted to. Even That's a good point. Even the people that live in Greenland, um, they can't, it's very hard for them to get to these locations. That's how remote and rough and costly and um, it, it's, very hard for them to even do it. Wow. All right. Anything else, Jim? Oh, sure. And now, of course, you know, what, what, another question I have here is like, you know, the other gold shows that are on, I, I suppose you guys watch those as well, you know, like Baron C. Gold, Gold Rush, Prospect. Yeah, yeah, what was your sure. favorite one? Uh, the one that I like to yell at the most is probably Gold Rush. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, you're always going, "Come on, what are you talking about?" You know, I mean, that's, I, mean, I think that's part of the fun of TV, right? Uh-huh. Um, 
and everybody gets to be a critic too, and I certainly enjoy doing that. Um, and you always put yourself like in their shoes and like, well, how would you handle that situation or what would you do? Um, and Gold Rush is, is um, it's been on for a long time, so it's well established, and um, they've got some, some pretty nice, neat characters on there and whatever to follow. So I guess overall that's, that's my, my, favorite, my favorite one other than, of course, Ice Cold Gold. Yeah, of course. Right. Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so. Anything else? Sure, one more. Well, keep them rolling, and, and, brother. No, with, with your claims that you have there in Arizona, do you ever sell any of your uh, concentrates or anything like that? We we do. Uh, a lot of stuff that, that we'll mess with, though, is going to be like specimen-grade stuff. So it's quartz that you can see the gold in. Uh, so it's a nice, pretty specimen. It's not stuff that we've necessarily... Uh, crushed and you know tables and that kind of stuff. Um, uh, and the reason is, is honestly, there's a lot of tourists that come out here. They love the Superstition Mountains. They love the legend and the lore of the Dutchman Mine and the gold mine that took place out here. So, um, you know, they're looking for a little piece of that to take home with them. And um, so, you know, we're in the right place for that, of course. Sure. Because yeah. I know, I, and I can't really speak for Tim, but I know I'd love to come out and go through Superstition Mountains. <laughs> Someday, Joe. <Jim. laughs> Someday we will. We'll make, yeah, that, that, come on, come on down. We'd love to. We'd love to show you our home. That's for sure. Yeah, that'd be cool. Someday, that would be. Someday, brother. Hopefully, yeah, that'd be yeah. great. So I'll, I'll pass it over to to Dennis. All right, Dennis, go ahead, bud. Dennis. <laughs> okay, oh. maybe we'll pass it over to Ron. <laughs> <laughs> well. Let's see here. Where do we want to be? I, I know uh, that you guys uh, get excited about finding uh, new places where people haven't been. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of that on Ice Cold Gold. But uh, have you found a lot of places where people haven't been uh, around the Superstitious Mountains? Or have you pretty much covered it? Absolutely not. People have been everywhere, and that is great because the Southwest is full of that gold rush in the 1800s, one or two different gold rushes, 1863 here in Arizona, and kind of another one in the 90s, so to speak. Um, and that's a great tool when you're treasure hunting or looking for uh, deposits of gold and silver because you just go to the old mines already been done so it's a great tool um, to use uh, in Greenland we don't have that there is we are the first ones so to speak um, and so you know we're, we don't have we can't fall in the footsteps of anybody and that that is exciting I mean that that takes us back that 150 years and that's what's so great about Greenland yeah I think that um like with our mammoth mine, it was discovered because of an outcrop right on the surface that had wire gold sitting in it. And, you know, before we went to Greenland, I mean, I, I mean, I dreamt of finding something like that someday. And Jesse's right. It's hard to do nowadays in the United States. I mean, there's been people all over and everywhere, mm -hmm. um, a lot smarter people than us when it came to gold. So um, it obviously is an advantage to follow in their footsteps, and we love the history uh, for sure. Um, but when we found that ruby deposit on top of that mountain, that was like my moment that I'll probably never get again of finding the mammoth mine. 
Sure. You know, here it is. Here's the ruby sitting there on the surface. Wow. And that's had to be uh, similar to the feeling of the man who discovered the mammoth mine back in 1891, um, seeing that gold sitting right there on the desert floor. Um, and to have that, have had that opportunity, if it, it only happens to me once in my life, um, I've already had way more than my share, that's for sure. Oh, bet. Can you, uh, could you tell us a little bit about Jacob's Trail? That's Jesse's department. <laughs> no, no, that's Jesse. Sure. Um, I, um, hey, we got them arguing. They're brothers. That's right. <laughs> yeah, do you, do, you, uh, do you want the long version? No, the short oh, version. Yeah, by the fine. way, do we have an hour left? By the way, what? every answer that my brother has given has been completely incorrect. There's going to be silence from Josh here in a second. <laughs> we wouldn't expect anything less from you guys. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that's brothers. <laughs> no, you could give us a short version. I I was curious myself about it. Yeah, you bet. Um, first, it's a book that. I wanted to incorporate um, how Arizona became a territory, how, how, you know, the first beginnings, that first gold rush, how gold was found. And Jacob Waltz is the, the main star, if you will, of the Lost Dutchman legend, the Lost, Dutch, the Lost Dutchman gold mine. Mm -hmm. uh, and he came with those first people. He was here in 1862. And so I just basically wanted to round out that history because he was a part of it um, and to to create a book that um, was for more than just Dutch hunters that somebody else could read and um, learn about Arizona history so th the main theme of it though was we believe um, that a particular mine in the lost in the superstition mountains is the lost Dutchman mine um, and it is in the eastern side of the superstition wilderness, uh, where everybody looks in the western side of the superstition wilderness. Exactly. Uh, and that's where all the stories lead you. Um, but if you go back to the guy that created this legend, it was not Jacob Waltz himself. It was a journalist. He was a treasure hunter slash journalist. Um, and... He interviewed those first people, uh, and in 1894, he took a couple trips out in the mountains. Uh, and when he came back, he wrote an article, uh, about 2,000 words. It actually got picked up kind of nationwide here and there. I don't know where all it went, where it all was published, but it was published in San Francisco and uh, I think Oklahoma and here or there. We don't actually know where everywhere it was published, mm -hmm. but that's... That's what inspired um, all of us from that point on, was oh, cool. his article. Um, that's cool. that the beginnings of the Lost Dutchman legend. And he did not go into the western superstition mountains. Didn't step foot in them. Oh. He went under the eastern side, uh, a place called uh, Angel Springs, uh, and... I proved that that's where he went because he carved his initials uh, in there on an old Indian, like an ancient Indian post inside a dwelling. Mm -hmm. uh, that's cool. His name is P.C. Bicknell, uh, and it's dated 1894. Um, and that is within a mile and a half of where we where this mine is that we believe is Lost Dutchman Mine. So anyway, it, 
I don't want to make this too long, but (laughs) that is, that is one, that is just a look, a glimpse into my book. Mm -hmm. There are many other things, um, that, that takes you to that mind. That mind, just all the clues fit. Um, it is a mind that was, um, found, claimed, um, and dug out, um, and in the 1880s, really, it was found in 1870, late 1870s, uh, and mined until the mid 1880s, something of that nature. Uh, but it was the first mine found there. Um, it was the richest mine. We have um, some reports from it, where it was running $9,600 um, of gold and silver a ton, uh, which was highly rich back then. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So it. It, um, you know, we're kind of done with that story because we followed it to the end, what we believe. Um, and that's kind of why we're, you know, we're on other projects. We're on other things. Um, and um, it has been, that, w- that was our stomping grounds. That was our training grounds. That's where we learned everything. Um, and we still go back there. There are certainly other treasures out there. Um, but that's kind of, uh, our perspective of the Superstition Mountains uh, and the Lost Dutchman Mine is that we've already found it. We already know where it is. Uh, and I take you there uh, in my book. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Uh, ice Cold Gold. Uh, what fears do uh, you, Jesse, and you, Josh, have, uh, either of you, before going out? I noticed um, on the last show it showed a lot of uh, you know, crevasses and stuff in the ice and everything. Uh, what are kind of your fears uh, hitting out, you know, in some of these unknown places? I mean, <clears throat> the simple fear is is that you get killed. Um, and that can come in many different forms in Greenland. Uh, and one that, uh, I don't know they touch upon it a great deal on the show, I guess maybe a little bit, but it's really just a transportation. Um, we're in helicopters a lot to get out to these places. We're in boats a lot to get out to these places. And the transportation there, although the pilots and the captains, they're great. And the equipment is good. It's not like we're, you know, in some third world rundown country or anything like that. It's just that weather comes in, it changes on a dime, and you've got problems. Um, I can tell you that I have had a close call on a helicopter. Uh, We weren't sure if we were going to get enough lift to get out of there. Um, and here you are hanging in the air, and the helicopter's drifting towards the rock face, and you're thinking, um, are we going to go or what? And, you know, those are, the, that, those are the things that I think of when just before we leave, because you kind of think, I hope that doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in some pretty uh, hellacious storms and boats out there, uh, getting into camp, and your nasty waves uh, fighting the wind, and... Here you got the captain standing with a wide stance hanging onto the wheel, and you know he's got sweat coming down his forehead, and you know that like he's not. This is an old hat for him. You know that he's struggling, and uh, that obviously makes you makes you darn nervous, especially when you on the boats. It's all these fjord systems, so you have all these tiny little islands, and then all these channels that you go through. So the rock, there's always rock on sometimes both sides of you. And when you've got these big waves and winds, easily could push that boat up into the up into the rocks and get shipwrecked there. Um, and if you fall into that water, you will die. There, it's, if, if the boat goes down and there's nobody gets you out because they're not going to be able to get to you in time. 
you know, you can get in those. There are life suits, but they only they only keep you alive for so long. Um, and that's really the problem is, is just nobody can get to you quick enough. Uh, in fact, it was uh, horrible, but last summer uh, there was four people that lost their lives uh, in, uh, right out of the town that we, that we based out of, Alulisat, and they actually just went out to go see the glaciers. That's all they were doing was sightseeing out of Alulisat, and they went out on a boat, and they hit what they call black ice, which is basically a glacier that is just under the surface of the water, and it ripped open the bottom of the boat. The boat sank. They all wound up in the water, um, and they they had to, they swam for the rocks to try and get up out of the water. But the rocks were too steep; they couldn't lift themselves out of the water, um, and they did die, uh, unfortunately. And when they found them, their hands were bloodied, their fingertips were bloodied, and skin was just completely tore off because they were scratch, scratching at the rocks trying to pull themselves out. I mean, they they died probably one of the most horrific deaths that you can think of. Jeez. And, you know, when that stuff happens around you, um, yeah, it gives you pause. There's no question about it. And um, with that said, uh, it's also not like we're walking around terrified every single day that we're going to die. Um, right. Just that there's those moments that remind you, you know what, this is actually dangerous, and we do have to be careful and watch what we're doing and look out for each other. Uh, there's there's no question about it. When you When you see the... TV show, they like to put the danger in every five seconds, mm -hmm. um, and it drives me nuts, because <laughs> at some point, it's like the boy who cried wolf, Right. when something actually does happen, when something is actually dangerous, then I'm kind of jaded to it. They you all know, seem like, to have the same de uh, denominator, they all like drama. Yeah. Oh, they do, and we fight that all the time, believe me, we sure. can have discussions about that. Mm -hmm. Um certainly. Um, so it, it, the way I feel about that is that, you know, you want to watch Indiana Jones bicker. <laughs> right. Well, guys, we're going to, we're going to take a quick break and then uh, we'll get back with you with some more questions. All right. Thank you. We'll be right back. All right, buddy. Thank you. Come in. What in the world, Travis, what are you doing on the kitchen floor with that gold pan again? Who, me? I'm just a working my dirt hog. Working your dirt hog? What you mean? Well, I figure we could all use a few more nuggets around here, couldn't we? Holy smokes. That's a lot of gold in there. If you love to pan for gold, get yourself some dirt hog pay dirt. When you just gotta have good gold, it's the real deal. No gimmicks or tricks, just quality pay dirt with guaranteed gold. At Dirt Hog, we pride ourselves on our gold. Ship direct from Canada to your door. Order yours today. Dirt Hog, the best gold concentrates on the market, period. Online at dirthogpaydirt.com. That's D-I-R-T-H-O-G-G, paydirt.com. Gold prices are on the rise these days, but why buy gold when you can find it yourself? If you're a gold prospector or have thought about becoming one, now is a great time. Gold is a valuable commodity, and with the price of gold rising more and more, you cannot lose. But you will need the right equipment for the job. After all, the better equipped you are to find gold, the more likely you are to discover your treasure. That's where DaytonProspecting.com comes in. 
DaytonProspecting.com offers the best and most up-to-date products available in the gold prospecting industry. Supplies like pans, hoses, classifiers, and so much more. They also have a big selection of Martin products as well as the Martin water table. Visit their website, DaytonProspecting.com. Check out their amazing inventory. You will see everything you need for gold prospecting at DaytonProspecting.com. Or call them directly, 812-525-7155. DaytonProspecting.com. You're listening to Prospectors Radio on the Gold Prospectors Space Network. Phone lines are open. Have a question? Give us a call. 419-520-7574. All right, everybody. We're back with Josh and Jesse Feldman from Ice Cold Gold. Uh, Dennis, we looked for you a minute ago, and you wasn't there. Uh, Yep, just had a a minor mishap. Okay. uh, Uh, The floor is all yours. I've got a a Josh and Jesse. Uh, First of all, man, I'm really glad you guys are here. Um, Thank you. Thank you. uh, I love your show, and... Out of all that stuff you guys were talking about, what would you say was your the scariest moment you ever had? Whether it be on in green, were you on ice cold gold or in Arizona? What's the scariest moment you ever had? Uh, it's a great question. Um, it's not really something I don't think I've ever thought about. Um, I don't. You know, I'll tell you. I've had some scary moments on the back of a horse. It has nothing to do with with uh, gold. Um, you know, so I've had that happen where horses are, are basically, they, they, you know, we'll say they act up type of thing. And, uh, I had one horse go down all the way on the ground with me. And, you know, when you're, when your horse is going down, you're not going to be able to stop them. And you just got to get out of the way and kind of jump type of thing. And the one particular instance I'm thinking of the, the horse was going, was going all the way to the ground and we are in the middle of the superstition mountains miles back in there. And I had to kick my legs out of the stirrups and jump because you kind of know when to hit the eject button, like, okay, we're not going to recover here. And uh, I jumped, and I got my uh, ankle pinned underneath the horse. The horse just came down on top of it um, and then kind of laid there. And and, uh, Jesse obviously saw that happen because he he was up front, and he come running back off his horse. And he had to grab that horse and pull him up out of the way so I could get out from underneath him type of thing. Um, so that's, that's one, that's a moment right there that just comes to mind where you kind of think, God, you're in the middle of the wilderness area, uh, you know, bust a leg, bust a neck, bust a back, something like that. You're in deep trouble. Luckily, everything was all right. And, and, you know, we, we all made it out fine. Um, in Greenland though, it's, it's much more about big catastrophes. It's not the little things that get you. It's the helicopters going, could go down or it's the boat can go down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually described it a little bit earlier uh, in this call, uh, and that was when we had left the red zone the very first year, and the helicopter took off, and it didn't have enough lift to continue going. Um, and we were stuck there in the air, uh, and the co-pilot, you could hear him on the, on the radio, said, we're too heavy. And boy, I'll tell you, when you hear those words in your oh, helicopter, uh, you're not feeling too good. And um, luckily, he caught the wind just right, however it happened, and he got that helicopter turned in the right way in the wind, and out we went. Um, but that was a dangerous moment because not only would have been all of us, it would have been every, well, it's because it would have been all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just one person. You're talking a whole crew goes down. 
Right. Yeah. Um, my scariest moment was when uh, that thing happened to Josh on the horse, too. Mm-hmm. Even though that I wasn't under the horse, everything flashes in front of your face. You're in the middle of the wilderness. I knew, I just knew he had a broken leg. Oh. And you start thinking real quickly, how am I going to get, you know, help out here? We have no satellite phones. There's no beacon. We have nothing. Uh, and, you know, what if he's bleeding? And, you know, I mean, you just go over those things in about a split second. Um, so in, in Greenland, I'll tell you a little story that was scary. We were in uh, a Sikorsky um, this last uh, summer, uh, and uh, we, we landed. We, uh, we let crew off, all the cameras and everything. And, uh, they, of course, they want to, you have to land twice, basically. A crew is on your uh, chopper with you. You mm-hmm. have to drop them off so they can film you landing, right? Sure. Right. So we go back up in the air, and the mechanic turns back to us, and he says, we have a problem. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're flying a school bus in the middle of a <laughs> small canyon with high mountains, Right. And he's banking just to turn turn around in the canyon. He's, he's banking around, and you're just looking at the cliffs in front of you as you're banking. So what happened was all of this weight got off. They, left, they got everybody off. So now the helicopter's unbalanced. Mm-hmm. And we had a um, whole bunch of gear, at least 1,500 pounds in the front of that um, helicopter. And the pilot could not land with all of that gear up front. The helicopter was unbalanced. Wow. And so we had to go up front, unstrap everything, and start moving bags to the back. And, you know, you're at low elevation, too, because you just took off. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I made a point, if, you know, I thought to myself, uh, if we all rush up, maybe we will go down because everybody's going to be up front, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, tapped on the shoulder of somebody and made a couple of us stay in the back of the chopper as we, um, everybody kind of daisy-chained uh, the gear to the back. Wow. Um, so, it, it, you know, as Josh described, things can happen so quickly. That's what goes through your mind. It's not any particular moment. It's just that you know that emergencies happen so quickly. Yeah, that's cool. yeah. <clears throat> four words you don't want to hear. We have a problem. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You don't want to hear that yeah. when you're on a helicopter. Now, uh, now, when you guys when you guys are out prospecting or, or doing whatever you're doing, what's your guys' favorite piece of equipment to use? Whether it's like a metal detector or a sluice box or – I mean, what do you, what's your favorite piece of equipment to use when you're uh, prospecting? Probably a uh, rock hammer, uh, really. I mean, our eyes or our – our best piece of equipment and a rock hammer, but as far as machinery goes, uh, the rock chainsaw is just the best, especially with those rubies. Uh, that is the machine to use. Yeah, for me, it's honestly, it is, it is actually my rock hammer too. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I might as well name the thing. Uh, you know, you get so attached to it, and it's always in your hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as equipment goes, uh, for us in Greenland, one of the most handy things we had was the G-Force Crusher, because it's lightweight enough, and you can get those, you can get that rock crushed down fine enough so that you can really see if there's any free gold uh, laying in that in that um, in that specimen. So um, that's probably my favorite piece of machinery, at least that we use in Greenland. Um, 
I will say metal detectors are great. We use them um, here in Arizona mainly. And uh, but with that said, Jesse's really he's the one that has I got to admit has the knack for the metal detector. So usually if there's a metal detector around, it, it, Jesse's got it, and um, he found some beautiful little deposits in the vein, uh, just little pockets uh, of good concentrated gold within within some stringer veins out here in our own mines nice. that were just an inch or two below the surface. Um, and, you know, all you got to do is you take those metal detectors and just scan those veins, and if it hits, you know, you got a nice little concentrated pocket of gold there. So mm -hmm. we've done that a few times, and that's always uh, always fun to do. Very cool. cool. Um, now, another thing I was curious on, when you guys are on ice-cold gold, what what type of food do you guys – is it, like, a lot of dry food you guys are packing and eating over there, or, like, MREs, or – we don't really use MREs, but yeah, we definitely use some dry goods, uh, you know. But here's the thing: like with some of those that those bags, you know, uh, of dry food, you can only eat so many of those. Uh, you can't have those for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know, 10, 12 days straight while you're out there hiking, uh, you know, a lot of miles in the in the mountains of Greenland. So you use them for uh, they're good for lunch, and you'll use them sparingly here and there. But we absolutely bring we bring fish. And all of that kind of stuff, fish, reindeer. Uh, reindeer, i got to tell you guys, is one of the best eaten meats. It is, it's fresh reindeer. is so It's sweet and very tender. Um, it's really something. And uh, it's not gamey at all, uh, which I was very surprised the first, the first time I had it. Um, but reindeer is kind of a treat, and, and then a lot of fish. You know, I mean, it's Greenland, so there's fish everywhere. they got salmon up there. Uh, they got char up there. Um, and so we'll, we'll eat a lot of that. We, there, are, there are times, though, that we do run low on food. Um, and those dehydrated foods may be kind of what you, what you got left. Uh, or maybe, you know, we, we actually send a little bit of food um, from Arizona. We ship, you know, um, about 100 pounds over there before we get there. Uh, and right. some of that weight is some beef jerky and just things like that that, you know, just that keeps you going. The protein. Um, maybe that you can't get in Greenland because um, you, you certainly don't want to be eating dried foods and, and um, you know, ramen noodles all the time. It just doesn't work. Yeah, I love those gummy fruit snacks, and you can't find those over in Greenland. <laughs> um, and so I, I pretty much pack 100 pounds of that uh, before we leave because there's nothing. I mean, really, you're out there hiking, and you're kind of tired, and you know you need a little shot of sugar, and there's nothing better than those things. I yep. those that's my favorite. It's the last oh, absolutely. For sugar, I'll eat sugar if I want it. <laughs> oh, oh, jeez. <laughs> well, that's that's basically what I've got. Um, All right. So about any callers? Well, yeah, uh, let's just get some callers. Yeah, in. we had a question here. Somebody sent me a question. It uh, they said, uh, "Have there ever been?" Any injuries not shown on the show, and does the show use a satellite phone for remote uh, emergencies? Yes, to both. Yes, uh, to both. There. Okay. Um, we've been very, very lucky um, that nothing bad has happened to anybody. We've had uh, a lot of twisted ankles, um, a lot of cuts, and a lot of cuts and scrapes, and you know, I fell 
I myself, I fell three good times just this last summer, uh, really hard. So you, mm-hmm. you know, you're always getting banged up and that sort of thing. And and crew, of course, you don't see what crew does. Right. Uh, and they're carrying a lot of weight with their sound gear and their batteries and their cameras and uh, all of that stuff. So um, they really do a good job. We push them. We push them. Oh, we push them and push them. <laughs> um, and that's kind of, you know, it, 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 maybe a. We we have one of the guy one of the sound guys named Peter. Um, he's great. He's mm-hmm. one of our best friends on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a little he's a little older than us, and uh, he carries a lot of weight, and so you know he has a little tougher time. Um, but there at the end of the season, um, it gets tough. You know, you get wore out. Everybody gets sure. wore out. We're we're moving and hiking, you know, constantly for right. over two months, uh, and people wear out. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the end of towards the end of the season, we would give Peter an update every morning on how bad the hike or how good the hike, <laughs> and it was always great to tell Peter that it's going to be an easy day today, Pete. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, you know, yeah, down that not... line, down that line that you're talking about, you know, or about rough time. Uh, at times, it looks like personalities uh, can be kind of stretched. Uh, yeah, they certainly can. Um, and 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 to go back to the injury question, you know, keep keep watching the rest of this season. Um, you know, there's still lots more to see oh, for yeah. sure. Um, but yeah, as far as personalities getting stretched, man, I got to tell you, I mean, we're <laughs> it's. I mean, it gets sometimes watching that back on TV is. I, I want to hide under the table, but uh, but the thing is, is. We're in a stressful environment. I mean, I'm going to defend. I'm going to defend uh, ourselves there right you now, go. right? Yeah, sure. go um, ahead. We're in a stressful environment, and it's one of those deals where, yeah, we're, we all got big personalities. Um, there's a lot of there's you know there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, and we all kind of have our own way of doing things. Um, you know, then you put all that together with the fact that we're away from home. We're dealing with the elements when storms come in and that kind of stuff. Um, and just daily life, and yeah, I think it manifests itself sometimes uh, in not the prettiest of ways, um, which it seems like the camera's always there to capture that. Sure. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, we do have, you know, we do have differences of opinion, and um, we do make decisions based off of those differences of opinion, and those things do come up, and, and how we're going to work together or continue working together, um, those things are always a question that's on the table. Yeah, it, it is. It's real for us in in that way. Um, you know, if you you might watch some reality shows and go, "Oh, that's scripted," or you know, or what if, or is that scripted? Or I can guarantee you, we are not scripted, and we are there <laughs> um, as a exploration company right. to do what we came there to do. Um, and so, yeah, of course, there's tension sometimes. There, we don't agree, um, and like Josh says, they love it. They love that kind of stuff. Sure. They catch that on mm-hmm. TV. Yeah. And may I say, too, there's no playbook in Greenland. There's no, like, well, this is how you're supposed to do this to be successful here. Nobody really knows how to be successful there in the mining game in Greenland. Right. It mm-hmm. honestly, as far as a foreign company, hasn't been done yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that just opens up this whole area for, well, how would you do it? 
well, how would you do it? You know, and if, obviously we're going to have a difference of opinion. Sure. Um, and, you know, again, we make decisions based off of those differences and, and try and figure it out. Very well, cool. you know, uh, Jesse and Josh, I have to tell you, uh, I kind of had a clue. Uh, uh, I think it was the last show or, or the show before that uh, that you weren't finding a lot of gold when the uh, <laughs> the geolo geologist uh, had to use a loop and then look in that pan where he had his head buried in it. And then he goes, we have gold. And I thought, yeah, boy, I, are they in yeah. trouble if he's only finding gold with a loop? Yep, I I understand you completely there. <laughs> but, but that, but then, that brings up a good point. Next scene, the next it's scene, it showed a pan full of gold that you could see with the naked eye. So right, right. I wasn't sure what was I, happening there. There's gold there, but it's fine gold, and that doesn't look well on TV. Right. So they do what they do it, for you know to get the audience to see what what they think we see. So that's, that's what I was going to ask. What mesh? What, what kind <laughs> right. of mesh are you guys finding? I mean, oh, it's, it's like all it's, it's hundred miles. <laughs> I mean, it's it's, it's small, and okay. that's not <laughs> it's Ohio work. gold, Rich. <laughs> yeah, that's so Pennsylvania gold. Pennsylvania gold. There, there could be volume there, but they're not going. It's not going to look good on camera. Yeah, remember, guys, that, that anything that we're picking up out of the creeks or rivers, it's plaster. Um, that is, we're in Greenland, man, and that's all been affected by the glaciers there. Yeah. And anybody that knows about glacial gold knows that the weight of them glaciers crushes and disseminates everything. Mm -hmm. um, so then we hope that, that that obviously gets reworked by the rivers and creeks there to get concentrated somewhere, but it's already been crushed. Everything's been underneath the ice there for, you know, thousands of years, obviously, if not much longer. And um, so that's what you find plaster-wise. And so what we're doing, we go, we find this plaster gold in the pan, and then that's telling us, I'm not, we're not looking for plaster deposits. That's not what we're after. We're after where that gold's coming from and trying to find it in, in you know, the material exactly. it's coming out of. Sure. And if we can crush that and then get, see the evidence of free gold being in there, we then know, all right, this is good stuff. Uh -huh. And you know the next step is obviously we take that stuff and assay it. Um, and see what gold's locked up in the sulfides uh, and those sort of things to get the actual the totals. Um, but for the camera, um, it's, we see gold, and we're like, all right, we're excited, and that's fantastic. There's gold in this spot. That's great. Mm -hmm. But they have to, you know, do the camera so that an audience member understands, I guess, what we're actually doing and why we're so excited. Sure. Um, exactly. excited about that. But, yeah, we get that question for sure, and, and, and that's, that's why, and that's what happens. Because it looks like dirty mesh, and <laughs> it's a hundred. <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly. They're they they're trying to show, you know, they're they're telling the story of us, and they're showing the audience, you know, um, because their cameras can't pick up mm -hmm. what exactly. Well, they can't pick up what we're seeing well enough. Is what well, it that makes down. sense. Right, sure. right, yeah. right. It's right. TV. And and I have to ask this question, guys. It's for both of you. Uh, what are some of your most frustrating moments that you both had there on Ice Cold Gold? You know, last last couple of years have been really great. The, the most frustrating um, time in my entire life was the first two months in Green, our first season. Um, to us, everything was brand new. We had done our research, mm -hmm. um, but that's not the same stepping foot on Greenland. Right. Um, so right. Greenland was brand new to us. 
um, to the crew, to the production team. Everything was brand new to them. Greenland was brand new to them. We we were brand new to each other. We didn't know how they make TV. You know, all right. They uh -huh. have, and it's like it's we're on a mission, and we don't care about camera or story. You know, and it's that conflict right there that that you know we all stood our ground and finally we met in the middle um, after season one, uh, and that was the most frustrating thing. It's not it's it's not um, you know the we can't get somewhere or something of that nature. You know you run into that everywhere. Anything you do, there's going to be you know um, it's man against nature. You know man against the ocean. Right. Man just logistical things, you know, we can't fly because there's fog, we're stuck out in the wilderness, there's all that stuff. Um, so the frustration really ended with that first season. Yeah, okay, it was a learning experience for you both, I could understand. Exactly. You know, for the, crew, for the crews, like you said, and, and all the, uh, the, uh, the guests of the show, you know, kind of, like you said, meet in the middle. I've only got one more question for you guys, and, uh, Okay. Okay. What 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 are yeah? I'm trying to think how to word this here. Uh, okay. Tim always hurrying us. He won't give us a second to think here. Okay. Uh, you know, if the show ends, what would you you both like to uh, to do or to explore next? Possibly, you know, down the same kind of reality lines or TV show lines. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, um, I mean, prospecting's in our blood, so if there was any more show opportunities, we would certainly always like to show show that. I mean, that's what we do and it's what we enjoy. Um, and, you know, we're not done with Greenland. Uh, Jesse and I, there's, there's no question about that, but there are other places that uh, we would love to go and see uh, and explore for gold or any, any kind of uh, metal or precious gems. Like mm -hmm. Patagonia would be one, Australia obviously would be another. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are those are kind of some of the meccas for for uh, amazing gold deposits. Sure. Um, so yeah, any kind of other show definitely would want it to be something to do with with gold and and uh, always promoting that. I mean, it's a it's a big deal to me. I mean, so many people nowadays they're they're they live kind of in a concrete jungle, and so they you know they take vacations, and they get out of there, and they get back into nature and those sorts of things and it's what uh, we've always tried to do ourselves, is be as close to nature as we possibly can. Um, and mining does that. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. And, and prospecting does that. And, and so anytime we can promote the idea of people getting out and exploring this awesome earth that we have, uh, we're going to do it. Sure. I think we all agree with that. Yeah. Uh, we need some callers. It's the last uh, chance you're going to get to talk to oh, Jesse go. and Josh, uh, 419-520-7574. Oh, here you go, right here. All right, caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, it's Dave Eitner, PA Prospectors. How, How you, you doing, sir? Doing good, Dave. How are you, buddy? Good. All right. I just had a question for him. Sure, go ahead. I just had a question about uh, when you were in the red zone. I know you lost it. That That was sad. Uh, what was the quality of the gems that you were finding? Uh, yeah, great question. 20% uh, of the deposit was gem grade. Uh, most of those rubies were uh, a couple carats in size. Uh, there were uh, 
much bigger rubies there and many of them, uh, but we didn't find any that were high-grade gem quality uh, out of the larger sizes. I'm sure there's some of them in that deposit somewhere, obviously, um, but what makes that deposit so valuable is the fact that 20% uh, is gem grade and you're in the couple carat size, so uh, it's absolutely a mineable deposit. It's, it's um, an amazing thing to see, and if you're not familiar with a lot of gem deposits, 20% is pretty high. Like you might think, well, you have 80% that's just specimen grade. Um, that's actually doing pretty good. Uh, doing really, really good, in fact. And the thing about those rubies, so many rubies nowadays that you guys get on the market, they're either glass-filled uh, or they've been heat-treated mm -hmm. to get them to be more red. These rubies were naturally that red, wow. uh, just amazing. Um, and actually, the deposit had been reheated, uh, which is probably why so many of them naturally reheated, which is why so many of them were that beautiful, beautiful ruby color uh, that we all know and love. All right. That help you All out, right. Dave? Yeah, I just had, had one more. Sure, go ahead. Uh, you're, I noticed now you're on, what, Cloud Island? Is that what we're calling it? Yes, Cloud so, Island. That's the Eric name okay. Cloud Island, yes. What, what led you in that direction? I mean, are you following, following your gold vein? Is that how you're, you're leading well, yourself to that well, area? Um, well... Here's what had happened is we had identified a gold area. There was a, a massive area uh, north out of Elusat, and it went for a long way. So we were within that region, but simply said, what led us to specifically Cloud Island was a man by the name of Eric Drummond. Um, that's, we followed him there, and that's how we got there. Um, and he, was, he, had, he had these high hopes of... Um, you know, finding something great there because it was in the middle of um, a gold-producing region anyways, um, and it had not been explored before. Um, you'll have to watch the show and see how things pan out, forgive the pun. But, um, but that's what took us to Cloud Island. Was, it was really Eric's hunch. That's what we were on. Okay. All right. That helped Thank you out, you Dave. information. Awesome. Well, thank, thank you. you very much. Thank you for going in, Dave. All right, you're welcome. All right, bye. All right, now here's a question. Now, Jesse, in uh, how how did you become treasure hunter of the year? I told Josh well, I was going to ask you. <laughs> Tell us about that. So, well, uh, I don't know um, how you know they made that decision uh, for themselves there, but um, you know we I've since I've been a little kid, I've been packing treasure hunters into superstitions. Right. Uh, and my father is a well-known lost touch with mine hunter. Mm -hmm. um, and we've spent, you know, just out of our lives, uh, I couldn't tell you how many days we've spent in those mountains uh, running around searching for treasure in, in the lost touch with mine and, and doing our research and going to locations to document uh, things that we may have read about. You know, it, it's a lot about research, sure. too. You don't, you don't just run out into the field based on a hunch. Right. You do your research, and that's going to help you out because when you're, if, you, if you do it the other way, you get out in the field, then you, you're probably going to miss something. Mm -hmm. It's right in your face. But it had, you, had you done your research, you're going to see it that time. You go out to the field informed. Right. So that's... 
kind of going off your question in a, in a different direction, but um, I think it's just that, you know, because of my father, because of our lifestyle, um, because, um, you know, a lot of people uh, look up to my father, uh, and I followed in his footsteps. Right. Uh, and I think my book probably put that decision over the top because they read my book and Very go, cool. you know what, this is so different from what everybody else is saying. Uh, it is so different from anybody else's search. Mm -hmm. But you know what, it makes sense. Sure. And maybe people that have been searching for it on other information for the past 40, 50 years are never going to look at my book. All right. Because that's kind of a slap in the face to tell them that they've been searching in the wrong spot for 50 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh -huh. but it is it is the new generation that's going to look at it with an open mind sure. and make their own decision right. and say, you know what, this makes a lot of sense. Let's take a further look into this. Right. Yeah, and, and let me give a little shout out to those guys that are, uh, it, who they are is it's a it's a club that's here, um, uh -huh. and. You know, being in our home here, as like we described, all the gold mines and the legends of all the lost mines and buried treasures that are out here, these guys have formed this really tight-knit, awesome club, and they right. like to honor the people of the area. That's um, great. So kind of a shout-out to them because yeah. uh, we have a lot of respect for all those people that, that belong to that club, and, um, you know, it's a great honor. It uh, is, yeah. Jesse, be honored by his peers, you know, sure. here at home. Yes, it is. That's what I was going to say. It's, it, you had to feel honored, though. I mean, that would be a great feeling to be the treasure hunter of the year. I mean, that's just oh, yeah. awesome. I mean, it's something yeah, I'm very proud of. It definitely, it definitely is. It's, um, you know, you, I'm, when I got it, I don't, when was it? Uh, 2013 13, yeah. when I got it. Um, you know, I'm less than 40 years old. All right. To get, to get that award, you usually are, you know, 60, 70 years old. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of a breakaway for them to give me that award. Wow. That's, that's so, yeah, that that definitely was very cool. That was really nice. It is. And they're, they're, the club's favorite saying, it's a victory club here, uh, but their favorite saying is, is Vini Vidi Vici, which, of course, most treasure hunters know is I, say, I, I came, I saw, I conquered. So um, that's their slogan. And... Um, they they live by that right. It's just it's just a something I had to ask us. It's like Ben. It's just a a very great thing, and it'd be such an honor. And it's like you said, especially at your age, you know. And I got one more question. Yeah, then. go ahead, Rich. Uh, how did you guys actually get picked for this, and how did they pick a driller from Philadelphia? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> That's a. That's a good question. I'm still asking myself that. Um, <laughs> it's they, um, it, you know. I mean, as you guys now know, uh, we've been kind of in the treasure hunting, gold mining game our entire lives. Right. Um, and basically, we were asked, "Hey, uh, what do you guys think of Greenland?" And we said, "I don't know." And they said, "You know." It was just a, it was a very organic deal. It was like, take a look at it, see if there was any reason to do that. So Jess and I did, and we did a lot of research on Greenland, and we started putting together um, all these things and found out these amazing things about Greenland, how completely pristine it is, and and what I, and uh, what I mean by that is untouched. There's just nobody really has been looking at it 
um, for a lot of gold potential mm-hmm. and a lot of ruby de- uh, potential um, mm-hmm. over the past century. So here we are in this awesome time in history that we can go there and be a part of something brand new. Um, and we put together a lot of plans and what we would do, and we talked about that, and it just kind of came into, okay, this is what would happen, and this is what we would need, and you know what? We think, we think on their end, we think we can put this, a show together and follow you guys around that country and see what it is that you do, um, and it just was this crazy organic experience. It was not like, hey, we need um, an actor for this role. It's not how it was at all. Right. And um, it was literally just grassroots. Wow. Very cool, though. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, everybody listening, it's your last chance. Give us a call, 419-520-7574. Uh, we'll take a real quick break, and we will be right back, okay? Oh, okay. wait. No, we won't. We got a caller. Let's take this caller. <laughs> All right. Hi. Hello, caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, my name is Brandon Swansea Searcher from New Hampshire. Hey, Brandon. How are you tonight? Not too bad. How are you doing, Tim? I'm doing okay, buddy. I have a good question, or a quick question for your uh, guests there. Going back to when they were talking about the close incident with the horse fall and the broken leg and, you know, the MREs and stuff, I was wondering if these guys, being the, even off of camera, do they go through a lot of um, survivalist training or medical training for such situations when they're out there in the middle of nowhere, they have no chance at satellite radio or satellite phones. Do, are they prepared for such situations, anything like that? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Hi, Brandon, right? Yeah. Brandon, thanks for the, the, the question. Uh, yes, we are. We are, um, um, you know, we take our CPR and safety and all that. Uh, we are licensed guys by the U.S. Forest Service. Um, and, you know, the quick and easy answer is sometimes, you know, you're just in a bad situation and there's really no good outcome. Luckily, that has never happened to Josh or I. We've had broken bones, we've had this or that, but there's been no real emergency that, that was so life-threatening that we needed to get somebody to a hospital within an hour. Um, today, we actually do take... Um, a satellite uh, SOS system with us. So we can call in a helicopter if, let's say, somebody got hurt off of a horse. Mm-hmm. So have you guys ever gone through any type of a, uh, beyond the medical part of it, but the type of survivalist, so to speak, situational classes, you know, where you can come up with a, an emergency shelter or an emergency fire situation or anything like that? No, we've never had any, you know, further training in, in survival of that sort. I, I think that it it just comes from being out in the wilderness our entire lives that um, given situations um, that we've either been in uh, or that arise, um, we're going to make the right decision. It's a, it's a great question, Brandon, because um, <clears throat> it takes me back to our first year in Greenland. Because here at home, if we're in the Superstition Mountains or even mountains of the southwest, we grew up out there. We have a lot of experience. If things happen, we're pretty much going to be able to handle it, whether it's getting shelter first and foremost or whatever it is that we need to do, um, survivalist-wise. But that was the thing about going to Greenland is is we were like a babe in the woods. I didn't know Yeah, we were out of the situation. Absolutely, completely out of of our uh, element. 
and um, it has been a huge learning curve. Uh, we're still learning, and we learn from the locals that are there. And there's not a actual class that you can take on Greenland that, that you know, formally that, that would make sense. You learn from the locals that are there. You talk to them. Obviously, we're learning from experience, too. Um, but you basically know when to shut your mouth and listen to the people that live there. Uh, that's where you're going to get your best information from. Because, um, yeah, there's, I mean, here's the thing, like, you know, you're in an area that's got no trees. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's, there's, what do you have, what resources are at your fingertips that you can pull from? The ocean is cold. You can't get in that, you know. Um, the weather can be absolutely horrific. The winds are, are can be bone chilling if there's a storm that has come in. Um, and the mountains are very, very loose. They do fall down all the time. Every day in uh, our Camp Sack Act that you guys saw this year on TV, every day we listen to rock balls, every single day. Um, so trying to figure out what resources are available to you if you get yourself in a horrible situation, uh, we've been learning that for the past three years over there. Mm. The only quick question I had is a quick follow-up to that. Is you guys have, have you ever run into any animals or environmental situation that you're really not unprepared for? I mean, I know up here we have bobcats, we have certain bears, we have coyotes. Have you guys ever had any issue with anything like that? No, no animals other than uh, basically camp robbers, fox coming into camp and stealing our food, which um, <laughs> that happened. And that happened last year on us. Um, the worst I've been in uh, or closest call with a wild animal was in a place called just north of Strawberry, Arizona, if you guys have ever heard of it. Mm -hmm. It's up on the Muggione Rim, um, and there's a, uh, a spring there called Fossil Springs, and we were hiking down in there, and above Fossil Springs there's these little caves, and they were used as Indian ruins, ancient Indian ruins from the Muggione people back 600 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I went up there just to look just to see, you know, peek my head in with a flashlight, that kind of stuff. And I climbed up into this one cave. There was a pinion tree growing out in front of it. You can kind of climb up the pinion tree and use the rock face and get up into this mouth of this cave. And you had to wiggle in there, and I was on my stomach. So head first on my stomach, and I looked up, and a mountain lion comes walking out from the back of the shadows of the cave. So here oh, I am boy. laying on my stomach, and there's a mountain lion standing above my head. And the mountain lion... I made a noise, and the, the noise was not loud. Uh, it was just, it was like he burped, actually. It was, in, it was just a weird noise. Um, but it was enough to scare the crap out of me, of course. Um, so I was reaching back for my light that was in my back pocket uh, at the time, and I looked up at him, and, I, and my hand was back behind me in my back pocket, and I still today, it's burned into my memory, the lighting coming in through the entrance of this cave, lighting up this, this mountain lion's nose and the tufts of his, the hairs on his ears and in the way his eyes looked. And I just, I didn't, I didn't make another move forward, and I just slowly pushed myself back off my left forearm, slow as I could, because uh, I didn't want to, like, scurry or run, because, you know, we know with mountain lions, if you run, you are prey, so you don't want to do right. that. And so I just slowly backed out, and obviously I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> he never made another step towards me, at least as far as I know, because honestly I, I just put my head down and never looked at him again. Wow. I didn't want yeah, to look at him. Yeah, that's one of those moments when you just say, carry off it when I go. Yeah, exactly. So nothing happened. But that, for me, that's like when I can say, yeah, I was literally in a mountain lion's home, and he could have just took his paw or whatever he wanted to do and took me out. Um, and, and luckily that didn't happen. Yeah, big bobcat stories. 
It's a mountain lion, not a bobcat. They're a lot bigger than a bobcat. I'm still wondering about that. I'm story. sorry, but my brother Conan over here would not have been scared at all. <laughs> the only thing I'm scared of in the wilderness is uh, lightning, and we've been in some atrocious lightning storms on the rim, the Mugion Rim in Arizona. I've uh, been stuck out there many, many times where you just pinned down uh, in the Mugion Rim. Second, uh, most lightning strikes in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, just every five seconds, it could be another one hit. Boom, boom, boom. Um, so that's certainly the the worst fear uh, for me is lightning. Um, good thing is about Greenland, I haven't seen one lightning strike yet. Oh, really? Yep, they don't have lightning there. <laughs> That's weird, ain't it? Thought they had All right, thanks, guys. I just wanted to get that call in there, and I, it's a great show. I appreciate it. All right, thanks for Thank calling you, in, Brandon. I appreciate it. All, All right, right. Have, have a good night. All right, well, Josh, Jesse, uh, we just want to thank you again for coming and hanging out with us and sharing your knowledge. I mean, I think we could go all night with this because there's just so much to ask you guys. There's so much we haven't covered, and hopefully someday you'll come back and hang out with us again. And I just want everybody to remember, go and like their Facebook page at J.J. Feldman Brothers and be eligible to win that specimen from the Mammoth Mine. Very, very cool. So you got to like it, though, to be entered. So get over there. But uh, thanks again for hanging out with us. You know? Hey, thanks absolutely. for joining us, guys. We appreciate yes, it. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Hey, thank you guys, too. And I want to absolutely thank you for what you guys do, promoting uh, this type of lifestyle, uh, keeping that alive. I mean, it's near and dear to our hearts. Um, so thank you for everything that you guys do, too. You mean there's another lifestyle? You mean? <laughs> there you I go, buddy. <laughs> thanks for coming on, guys. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. All right, you guys have a good evening. Take care. Thank you. Take okay. care. Bye, guys. Bye. Awesome. Now, those guys were great guests. I really enjoyed having them. I, I, I'm i sure you guys still all had questions, and I wish more people would have called, but that's okay, you know. Uh, There's always no, it's not. It's a call-in show. I know, you, but still. But still. I know, but... uh. Easy, Tim. Right, Come here, on. Well, here, here's a, a caller. <laughs> there we go. Hello, caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hello. Hey, how you doing? This is Jesse from Toledo. Hey, Jesse. How are you tonight? Hey, Jesse. Um, late. I noticed that. <laughs> I hope you don't have a question for uh, Josh and Jesse. <laughs> I I did. Uh, but, see, oh. you guys got a call when I opened the phone lines. Start burning them up. I tried. tried. That's okay, buddy. Well, hopefully they'll come back again, and and you can ask them then, right? Hey, hey, Tim, we'll we'll, we'll cut Jesse some slack, because I know where he was today, so he's probably going through some pretty good cons right now. All right. Well, I always cut Jesse some slack. That's fine. You know, if I would have known, I would have kept him two more minutes, Jesse. Sorry, buddy. Well, Jesse at the scenic. No. A little farther south. Oh, okay. Ah. Double D. Got it. Double D. Yeah. Went to the Double D today. That was really nice. I like that place. Nice. Can't wait to see. I'd some, love to go there. Can't wait to see some pictures of how you did. Yeah, I've seen some well, good folks coming out of there. I'm, I'm going to post some tomorrow. I'm All right. not doing anything tonight. I'm tired and sore. All right. <laughs> Five hour drive back home. Oh, you know, yeah. From, from the bottom to the top. Okay. Well, <laughs> All, right. Yep. All right. Well, cool. Well, 
I used my uh, two-inch gloves there today, and it did a really nice job. It worked good? Uh, yeah. The gold snare? Uh, I just didn't get any pictures of it, though. Ah, you're going to have to do that, too, right? I Team know. gold snare. Ed and I will get together, <laughs> and we'll do some videos. Awesome. But uh, it, it, uh, it worked really nice. I was really, I was really uh, impressed with it. That's cool. You know, so. All right. Well, thanks for calling in, Jesse. Sorry, buddy. Uh, yeah, I know. I I got on the show late too, and then you know, like I I mentioned before, that uh, I've been having problems with my computer freezing up right. on the show. Right. Well, uh, like I said, well, I'll make sure you're the first caller next time. Okay. Oh, okay. You <laughs> call me. I'll uh, call we'll you. Re we'll remind <laughs> you, Jesse. I will call you, Jess. All right. Uh, all right. All right. You have a good all night, right. buddy. Yeah. Oh. Great show. Thanks. All right. Thanks. Bye, buddy. All right. Also, also I just wanted to bring up, Tim, real quick, uh, uh, for the folks out there that were putting in certain questions in the chat room, we weren't ignoring your questions. We were asked not to ask certain right, things right. Uh, because there's still shows being aired. Yes. So uh, yes. we're not ignoring you. There are just some things that uh, we just can't. Right. Along with the guests. Right. All right. We're trying to get Ed, Ed Marvin on here. He's got to announce his winner from his giveaway. And we got a couple giveaways we got to do, so I hope nobody's running off yet because uh, we got some dirt. We got uh, silver. Silver. Okay, here's Ed. Let's get Ed in here and let him do his thing. Hello, Ed. How you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing great, Tim. Yourself? I'm doing good. You know, had a great and I'm show. Feeling much better. Yes. Thank goodness. Yes. <laughs> so, so I understand you're going to announce the winner of your giveaway, right? Yeah, the Buckeye chapter gave me a common dig season pass, and we have a lucky Buckeye chapter member who won. Oh, very and cool. Unfortunately, I don't see him in the chat room. Well, go ahead and announce it anyway. His name is Aaron Earl. Aaron Earl? Um, yeah, he entered on the post on Facebook, so I'll be going there and announcing the winner All right. soon. And thank you, everybody from surrounding states in Ohio for taking part in this giveaway, and thank you very much, um, Buckeye Chapter of the GPAA. Awesome, buddy. That's great, and congratulations to the lucky winner, and thanks to the Buckeye chapter for giving you that to give away. That's very cool. So, man. Oh, yeah, I, I have some more goodies I'll be giving away that was given to me by the Buckeye chapter. Uh-huh. I'll be giving them away throughout the season, so stay tuned, everybody, and keep an eye on my videos. Oh, yeah, be sure to share it, like it, and comment, right? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> awesome. All right, Ed. Thank you, buddy. We appreciate it. You're more than welcome, Tim. Thank you, guys. Have a great night. You too, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. You know, Tim, while we're talking about the Buckeye chapter, uh -huh. you know coming up we're going to have the uh, Fossick with them, which is going to be their night nighttime treasure hunt. Uh-huh. So, you know, I know one of their people were going to call in, so I'm hoping, you know, he hears me and, We'll All right. call here. Was that Pat was supposed to call in? Yeah, Pat's supposed to call in so he can talk about it. But, you know, wow. You know, being down at Swank well, yesterday. I'm telling him to call now. So hopefully he calls now and we can get that, get Pat in here and he can tell him 
what, he, what they need to know. Oh, that might be Pat right now. All right. Hello, caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, Tim. This is Pat. There he is. I, hey, I just Pat. wanted to be sure. <laughs> How are you tonight? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Yeah, it was a great Man, show. That, that interview rocked, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, thank you. That's always good to hear. Yeah, it was a good show, wasn't it? Yes, yes, yes. It, yeah, those forward. you get a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff yeah, that those, you don't see. Yeah, those guys are exactly. very interesting for sure. So, Jim says you have something to tell us. Well, we're uh, gearing up for our big June Fossick weekend on the 13th and 14th up at the Swank Plan. Okay. And now. Uh, Jim was saying something about a nighttime detector hunt. Yeah, we've uh, well, we've got so many metal detectors in in the chapter that we have, over the last few years have incorporated quite a few metal detecting um, events, and it just came up as something new to try one at night. Why? Well, I think it'll be fun. <laughs> I think so. Uh huh. Now, where's, yeah, fun. where's the, the detector hunt going to be at, though? Is it going to be right there on the swank? Or are you guys going to go up by that house again? Or, or what's the plan there? Well, it could be at either one. I don't oh, know. Okay. I haven't spoken with Jim at length on it. But probably okay. up by the house. That's a real good place to hunt. Right. That'd be cool up there. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're yeah gonna I found, yeah. Some, found some nice flashlight holders for our detectors. And, uh, yeah, we're oh. geared up, ready to go, <laughs> oh, that's too. That's a good idea. <laughs> flashlight holder huh <laughs> we'll have to see about well, that well they're 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 actually for bicycles but they seem to do the the job on the detector oh okay well Good. we'll have to see if i'll get one of them jim because i know jim's gonna do it too so yeah uh, i don't know if dennis is gonna are you gonna do it dennis or what what date is that again uh they'd be the 13th and 14th so the hunt will be on the evening of the 13th Nice. After we're having a barbecue cleanup party okay. after the common dig that starts at ten, okay. and we'll play around all day, and then the chapter is going to provide some hot dogs and hamburgers, and oh, everybody nice. just bring a dish to share, you know, and okay. we'll sit around and have a little cleanup party, and then wait until it gets dark. Awesome. Now that now that's which month is that in June? June. June. June thirteenth and fourteenth. <laughs> I got to work that weekend. No. <laughs> Oh. Just your luck, Dennis. Scratch Dennis. Bummer. Yeah, I was just checking the, checking my schedule, and I, I worked that weekend. I don't know if Rich is going to be able to make it to that. But... No, I'll be in Muncie, PA at the PA Prospector Duke. Okay. So me and Jim will be there, Pat, for sure. Well, yep. well maybe in. maybe I can talk to one of the guys on the other ship. Maybe I can get him to switch me a couple days and okay. come there. Well, that'd be cool if you could make it. Now, anything else happening that, at, at the event, Pat? Uh, well, we're going to have common digs uh, both Saturday and Sunday, mm -hmm. uh, starting at 10 in the morning. It's an Australian-themed. Uh, Fossick, of course, is Australian for prospecting. Right. Um, and there are three common digs. Just come on down, bring your shovel and bucket, boots, whatever you don't want. If you don't want to get wet, you don't have to even join the dig. There's all kinds of stuff going on at the claim that weekend. Nice, nice. Well, I hope now, everybody listening can make it. Now, what about, like, for camping in that? Yeah. Do you have to be a GPA member to camp there for that weekend, or is that open to anybody? Well, we'll have enough members there that we can host any guests that aren't GPAA members. Oh, so wow. Technically, yeah, on our events, we open up to the public, and we have enough people to host. Oh, well, that's cool. 
Awesome. Because I know we get asked that quite a bit, you know, you got to be a member for this, a member of that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Technically, non-members um, are only supposed to be tanning. But we have these common digs, and they're not out there running their own dredges and stuff like that. You know, right. So they, they give us some leeway. Oh, very cool. Well, like I said, we look forward to it. We'll be there. We're going to... I guess we're gonna. Jim said we're gonna try to do a show from there. So, uh, so we'll see that'd what happens. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you a play-by-play that night. Yeah. yeah hey, we'll look, there goes Pat go. up the lane with his mother. <laughs> yeah, that's what. We'll... Susie right behind him. <laughs> That'll be our plan. Awesome. Very cool. Well, we look forward to seeing you guys. All right, we look forward to seeing you guys too. And thanks again to the Buckeye chapter for everything they do for us and uh yes, thank and you. we look forward to this event we hope everybody listening can make it and make it a great event and uh, come on out and have some fun with us for sure take care all right take care thanks, pat yeah. thanks buddy Good night. Bye-bye. all right also i want to mention again the occupy two the rumble on the river dredge rally happening july 3rd through the 12th uh and that's being brought to us by the southwest idaho mining association now, Dennis, you take it from here for a minute. Well, we have, um, we're going to be giving away a one-ounce silver, um, and it's from, oh, I just got brain Prospector's dead Choice. Yeah, <laughs> Prospector's. I was trying to look through my notes again. From Prospector's Choice, um, they have been a really, really big help uh, with this Occupy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a really big help. So, um, we're going to, I guess you're going to draw a lucky winner. I'm going to draw a winner here. From so what is that? Day. It's a one-ounce silver what? Round silver, bar? Silver it's bar. a round or a bar. Round or uh, a bar. It, it's one-ounce silver. It could be either one. So, one-ounce yeah. silver. Now, we're going to call a name, and you have one minute and 30 seconds to reply in the chat room. Not on the main page. Not nowhere else. Right here in the chat room. They want some old people. They're tired of the new people. Well, I, <laughs> everybody will call in. They haven't give, been called. Name yeah. drum, a, you know, a good spin or two. A what? A good spin or two, you know? Uh, oh, okay. The random checker. Oh, this give the random the, checker a spin or two? Yeah. This is the checker. computer age. Remember, Dennis isn't too much into computers. Yeah. All right. Well, here's the name. Are you guys ready? Go ahead. I'm looking right. for Bob Gubbins. G U B B I N S. Have you ever heard that name before? I don't think yeah. so. Clock <laughs> is running. Bob yeah. Gubbins. This My is, new guy. This is for one ounce of silver from Prospector's Choice. He's, hey, he's there he you are. There he Congratulations, is. Bob. Cool. Uh, send uh, one of us your mailing information and. Prospector Choice will get that out to you. And please post the picture after you get it. We'd love to see it. And uh, Absolutely. Congrats. Very cool. But now, uh, how's our uh, follows going, guys, on Spreaker? Has anybody been watching? Uh, we're only at 117, I think. Let oh, me wow. refresh. I guess we're not giving away two ounces of silver, then. 119 oh. followers, oh, and well. we have 80 likes. Well, we so got the likes. Wow. We'll give away the grand the for likes. sure. All right. Now uh, we're going to give away a one-pound bag of, I believe, one of the finest paid dirts. I'm sorry. 
Uh-oh. From our friends, Dirt Hog. One pound right. of Dirt Hog pay dirt. Oh, man. And we all, love, we all love us some Dirt Hog, don't we? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, so give me a second, and then everybody will start complaining. Good old Dirt Hog. Okay. Good dirt. All right. Let me check my list. All right. All right. We're looking for, actually, it's a friend of ours, Mr. Mark Franklin. Mark, Mark Franklin. You have one man. minute and 30 seconds, brother. Have you ever heard that name? I don't think so. I, we haven't heard that. <laughs> it's been, been quite a while. Uh, I know sleeping. you're listening, Mark. No, I know he's oh, listening, he boy. I hope he is. If not, we'll give it oh, to somebody boy. else. Hey, hey yeah. there you are. All right, there Mark. Congratulations, buddy. Yeah. Send us your mailing info and your email address, and I'll get that to Dirt Hog. And make sure you send your email address. Yes. And he'll get that out to you. For sure. But I need all that information. So send it to me, Mark, okay? In a message, not on a chat. Send it to me in a mail message if you can. All right. Now, are you guys... Now, we have even another very fine pay dirt company. Uh, This is from our friends at Gold Rush Pay Dirt. And this is a two-pound bag. Uh... Uh, it's some great dirt. <laughs> so, I don't know what more I could say about it. It's just some great dirt. And please post pictures. Everybody that wins something, please post the pictures if you can. It would be really appreciated. Yeah, they have they have where I like it too. It's a one in two hundred fifty chance to find uh, three hundred dollars in gold nuggets. So and it could be in there, right? And, yeah, and I think one of the members. I I don't I can't remember if it, who it was, but someone. Actually, had got a bag of that. Oh, really? I couldn't, re- I couldn't remember who it was that got it, but yeah, it was nice. Oh, cool. See, I, I don't recall seeing the pictures on the site, though. Did they post them on the oh. site? Uh, I did I'm see want- I'm trying to think who. I, that, that bugs me because I don't know who it was. I don't <laughs> either. No, I know who it is, but I just can't think of his name. Kent, Kent Backler. Oh, Kent Backler. I believe it, I believe it was Kent. Kent if you're listening, was that you that got that that bag? It might have been, right? All right. Well, I got the name, so you guys ready? Yep. Ready. I'm looking for Robert Page. You ever hear that name before? I yep. don't think so. <laughs> hey, no. At least it's all over. I know who it is. Oh, you do? That's cool. You got one minute, 30 seconds. He lives in Alabama. Well, very cool. You got one minute, 30 seconds. This is for the Gold Rush pay dirt. Yeah. No, Kent said it wasn't him, so I I thought it was. Sorry, Kent. Robert Page. Tick tock. Tick tock. One minute. I know who it is, but I don't see him. Ah, well, I see him in the chat, but I don't see him in the... There he is. I'm here. Ah, okay. Congratulations, Robert. You just won the Gold Rush Pay Dirt two-pound bag. So send us your mailing info, and we'll get that out to you. Very cool. So now we did get enough likes to give away our gram, right? Yep. Okay. Alrighty. Wow. They just keep coming. The winners just keep a rolling. <laughs> <laughs> 
And what else was it? Oh, I just want to also uh, give a shout out to some of our sponsors, to, uh, Gold Strike Adventures and Gold Strike Pater, also another fine company. MDB over at IPAN for Gold, another awesome company in my opinion. So there's so many great pay dirt companies that, that come by here. Gino from Eureka Gold Sands. Yep. The, the list just goes on and on. So if you're looking for high quality pay dirt, check any of the vendors here on the site and uh, you'll be happy, you know, without a doubt, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, that's, that's the key. Hey, uh, Dennis, for that Bob yeah. Gubbins. We send it to you. Yeah, yeah. Send me that. Send me the information. All right, on the way. Sorry. Oh, you got it, Rich. Okay. Yep. All right. Now I'm looking for Jacob Smith. This is for a one gram bar of silver for the likes. Looking Jacob for Jacob Smith. Smith. Jacob Smith. If you're in there, you got one Jake minute, talk. thirty seconds. Jacob Smith. And we want to give a shout out to all our new members. We're we're getting lots of new members, and you know. Oh yeah. How close are we to five thousand now? You come into we'll, chat. We'll, don't we'll be afraid to, to chat in the chat room. Jacob Smith. TikTok. TikTok. Okay. Jacob Smith, just answer that you're here in the chat room. I'm here. Yeah, okay. Hey, yeah. Right. He's here three times. That's the way to do it. That's it. Right. Here, here. Make sure his name was seen. Right. Well, that makes sense, right? Well, congratulations. Send us your mailing info, and I'll send you out that gram of silver. And like we said, see, if we, if you guys, if we could have got 200 followers tonight, we was going to give away two ounces of silver. So. Yeah. And I also want to give a shout out to Mark O'Farrell from uh, the Gold Syringe Company. I know he gave away some gold syringes last week. Very cool item. Uh, he sent us a set. Very cool. They are the neatest thing. Yes, they are. And uh, just oh, wanna, yeah, yeah, I didn't get to try them yet, but I uh, will. Right, we'll get a we'll get a chance. You know, we know we will. All of us. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything I'm forgetting. I just want to thank everybody for tuning in, especially uh, international again. You know, all the ones overseas. Hopefully, Nate was listening in Korea. I'm not sure. Oh, uh, yeah, hopefully, he was. Right. Australia, Alaska, everybody, France, Italy, down under, every place. Yeah, Japan, oh, everywhere. That's they're, they're listening, all over. You know. I get a list. And, uh, and, my uh, godson should be over in Japan here soon. Uh, I think he's going to be listening, oh, too. Oh, cool. Good, good, good. That'd be awesome. Yeah, it will yeah. be. That's great. Yeah, we have 4,854 4, members. Nice. So oh. uh, let's see if we can get to 5,000. And let's, uh, well, we didn't get our 200. So it would have been nice to get our 200 followers to give away two ounces of silver. But yeah, maybe some other time we'll do it again. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I'd like I'd like to give a real quick shout out to yeah, go for a it, lot of all my friends at the Northeast Illinois uh, Gold Chapter. Um and, uh, of course, my buddy Kevin that I work with, uh, I'm sure he's listening tonight. All right. And that's what I got. Jim? Yeah, for me, you know, we got the the prospector days there with the OSPA. Mm -hmm. And Sonny and I were doing some talking about it. And we're going to have all kinds of equipment out there for people to use. So, if, you know, you've never used a dredge, we're going to have a dredge out there. And, yes, even a three-inch dredge oh, will cool. be out there. That's cool. Uh, and you can get it out of the dining room. Yeah. <laughs> it will get out of the dining room finally. Yeah. So, All right. But 
I mean, we're we're gonna ha have all kinds of stuff. There can be um, duck races and pan, uh, gold pan races, speed panning. And it's gonna be a, a good time. Good time, good time, and we'll be there. Yeah, well, all, all of us but Ron. But Ron will be there. All of us but Ron. So come Ron and hang out with us. In Colorado. Yeah. So come and hang out with us. Say hi. Ron is Dragon tonight. We, well, <laughs> yeah, we know. Yeah, you had a heck of a drive. We'd, we'd like to yeah. dig some dirt with you, so make sure you... Don't forget, everyone, you better send us your information, because if yes. not, you ain't getting it. Send it to any one of us, and we'll get it to each other tonight. That's what we, we do. We are waiting. That's what we do after the show, so... Don't well, get offline until we verify we got it. The races, Gus, are dimming New Mexico. The what? <laughs> the duck races. They hold duck races every year in Deming, New Mexico. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's good information. <laughs> now, Ron, you got any shout-outs, buddy? <laughs> no, I just want to thank everyone for all the hospitality, and I was glad to meet everyone back there, and... Uh, you know, we'll do it again next time I come out, though. We're going to be uh, we're gonna be dredging. Oh, yeah. We're going to have fun next time. Next you miss time. that dredge, don't you? No. I got this four-inch now. <laughs> He's ready. Can't wait hey, to... Hey, one thing I want to bring up real quick. Yeah. A lot of people don't understand we have that 10-second delay. You know, yes. so when we're typing the names in and then you guys are finally hearing it, you know, that that's why. There's yeah. nothing wrong. Everything no. is fine. Exactly. It's just a 10-second delay. Exactly. It's just part of internet. That's radio. why you're seeing it before you're hearing it. Right. That's why we're giving a minute thirty seconds. Yes. So you've got plenty right. of time. Yeah, I mean you got you still got a minute and twenty seconds to go. I'm here. So <laughs> it's yeah, it's really you know, so there's like Rich said, there's nothing wrong. It's internet radio, you gotta delay. We there's nothing that can be done about it. Uh so yeah, just please pay attention to the show and then when we call your name you'll be right there. Or when Rich types it, you'll see yep. your name. Send us that information. We're waiting. Right. So get us that information to all of our lucky winners tonight. And don't forget to, to like the, the J.J. Feldman Brothers Facebook page for your chance at, at that awesome prize. I, I, wish, yeah. I wish we – well, maybe we are eligible. I don't know. I like their page. So that'd be, I did too. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah. And if yeah. one of you guys listening wins it, please post a picture here on the site. We'd love to see it. Very cool. And like I said, thanks again to the Feldman Brothers for coming by. They were awesome guests. And uh, I'm sure we'll have them back again sometime soon. All right. Rich, you got any shout-outs? Uh, to everybody in uh, GPS, everybody in Delaware Valley Chapter GPAA, uh, PA Prospectors, give a shout-out to them. they got a meeting coming up. That uh, dig is in July, I believe, July 16th to the 19th, mm -hmm. and I will be there. Awesome. So Rich will be at that event, so go yep. and see him. Well, I'll be the one in Ohio also, and that's, that's right. in what, May here coming yep. up, right? Yep. yep. Memorial Day weekend. May 21st to 25th. So, so stop in and see him. I'll be driving from PA to Ohio. Awesome. All right, well. Remember uh, American Mining Rights Association? Yes. Uh, Public Lands for the People, Western Mining Alliance. If you don't belong to one of them, uh, you might want to join. There's still a lot of fight going on, and they can always use the help. Yep. All right. Very cool. Now, uh, I guess that'll do it then. So thank you all again for listening, and we'll see you next week, okay? Howdy. Good night. Good night, night. everybody. Good night. Thank <laughs> you.
Be sure to tune in next Sunday at 7.30 for another great show. For updates and more info, please go to www.prospectorsradio.com. Welcome to GoldProspectorSpace.com, the home of ProspectorsRadio.com. You can see us on the web and listen on the radio. We're just searching for some gold. Talking about goldprospectorspace.com. Come and join us. We're just searching for some gold. Just searching for some gold. Goldprospectorspace.com, the home of prospectorsradio.com. Come and join us. We're just searching for some gold. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.